0: i'm gonna to try to do this in a Hitmaster voice happy halloween ghouls and gamers welcome to select and start the podcast about meaningful and dismemberable video games i'm your host the crypt Kiefer, and i'm gonna drop this bit now and every episode i bring on a guest to talk about a video game that made an impact on their life i have a very very wonderful guest with me today who already seems done with my shit uh, she is a senior entertainment writer and author. Their most recent book, Sad, Sexy Catholic, and intimate collection of poetry, was released this year. And she is a very dear friend of mine. It's Lauren badillo Melici. How are you doing today, Lauren?
1: I'm good. I can't believe you just referred to yourself as the Crypt Keeper.
0: Yeah. I'm, <laughs> that's my Twitter profile name right now, so I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm running with it. Yeah, it's, it's, uh-uh. it's on that. I've done it for two episodes now. I did it last year for Resident Evil 4, and I did it this year on Inscription last episode. I'm running with it. Do you have a spooky <laughs> name? Do you do a spooky name?
1: I don't, I wanted to change my name to Lauren, like Boo, Dio, Malisi, and like Elon wouldn't let me. I like got locked out of my account.
0: Oh, yeah. Like this time I would had to do it. Like it was like prove that you're a real person. And I'm like, fuck you. No, but I <laughs> somehow it still went through. Anyway, Lauren, I'm really excited to talk to you uh, about... Uh, video games today, but for the people who don't have the pleasure of knowing you, uh, what do you do and what do you like?
1: What do I do and what do I like? My goodness! So I'm a writer by day. I uh, like interview, like review, and like report on like entertainment news. Like today, uh Deadpool three is like indefinitely postponed, and the whole internet had like an uproar about that. So I got to write on that. <laughs> and then by night, I'm a poet. Which is as self indulgent and wonderful as it sounds, and that is not sarcasm. And what do I like? I like spooky shit all year round. I really like emo. I'm like in a big. I'm like going back to like 2007 and just like feeling feelings again.
0: I'm happy you're feeling feelings.
1: Thank you. I'm having a very elder emo October right now.
0: Elder emo October. Mm-hmm. What is what is what is an example of like a spooky emo thing that people should be listening to right now?
1: So. It's because 'cause they're not even they're they're they I think they are they like late two thousands and then they just broke up by that I mean like twenty fourteen and then they just broke up. There's a band called Bay Faction and they're like one of those bands that like popped up, no one listened to them and then they broke up and then got huge after they broke up. Um mm-hmm. and they just did a re release of like I think an album they put out a few years ago and it's on Spotify and it's pretty fucking good. Like I'm like in my feels listening to them, like, yes.
0: Good to know. Yeah, that's been a thing lately. Where like, thing, I mean, it's been a thing historically throughout music, but like now in like the algorithm era, stuff that wasn't huge or mm-hmm. stuff that was overlooked or stuff just getting a resurgence just because like the algorithm boosts it. I was, I remember back like what was it, twenty seventeen? Uh, pavement became mm-hmm. really popular again. Specifically, yes. uh, harness your hopes, which was mm-hmm. a B side track that they didn't even like formally release. And it just became huge. And now it's their biggest song ever. And now like the girl from Yellow Jackets did a music video for it.
1: Yes. I'm also like with that, I'm also hoping that the early November just has like a really big resurgence. Like they've always just been just moderately popular and never like huge. And I'm like waiting for the algorithm to, for like, like they have like cute songs that could be TikTok y. So I'm waiting for some like Gen Zer to find it.
0: You can always be the, the algorithm you want to see in the world and do it yourself. Just, annoy people about it i'm always evangelizing about the Ryan gosling emo band dead, dead man's bones Dead so.
2: Man's Bones. Mm-hmm.
0: gotta do it gotta do he's, it that's he's that's so my cool plug. he's, he's so the cool. best why is he so cool how can you be hot and cool and also a musician and also a great actor you have to be bad at something
1: the fact that he's gonna be in the it's gonna for best supporting actor at the oscars it's probably gonna be like him versus um robert downey jr
0: maybe i mean we We'll see what uh, Killers of the Flower Moon does this weekend in theaters. Oh, right. That's
1: Uh, true. That's true. Yeah.
0: Enough about music and movies and Ryan Gosling, unfortunately. We have to talk about video games now. We do. In your book, Sad, Sexy Catholic, you have a poem that I love titled, What I'm About to Do Has Not Been Approved by the Vatican, which you clarify in your notes section is taken from the PC horror game Faith. Uh, It's clear to me that video games have made a material impact on your life if you're willing to literally write them down into words on a published book that I have a printed copy of right here in my
2: hands.
0: (laughs) And we are going to talk about video games with you. As you know, no community likes to gatekeep more than the gamers. So we're going to have to check your gaming credentials here at the top. Let's talk about Lauren's gaming history, Mm -hmm. who or what got Lauren into it, uh, what's Lauren's relationship with it throughout the years, and so on. What's your portrait of a gamer?
1: uh My earliest memory is being in daycare, or maybe it was like a summer daycare type thing. And there was a PlayStation, like, 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 of the older kids would would always play with the PlayStation. I was never allowed to because I was never one of the cool older kids. But I would like watch them like blow into the fucking cartridge and slam that thing. And I think I feel like the game was what is the? What, oh my god, this is so bad. I should, I should know this because I can see him in my brain. He's like an animal of sorts. And he's not he's not Donkey Kong, but he's a cute little mm-hmm. animal of sorts. And that was the game, but I can't think of it right now.
0: I mean, you're saying cartridge, so maybe Nintendo 64. So there's like Conker's Bad Fur Day. There's Banjo-Kazooie. It was
1: Banjo-Kazooie.
0: All right. Hell yeah. Yes. Got it in two.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so there were two daycares. So one daycare had the 64. And then later, there was like a really old PlayStation. I'm like, my, right. like mixing both in my brain, but yeah.
0: Yeah. And what about you getting into gaming yourself? What video games did you play throughout your life?
1: Um, So I had a Game Boy, like, and I remember, and it's the purple kind. that's like see-through. Those are like the best. I still, there was like going for like hundreds of dollars, like online too. So thought was really funny. I think I had like the Lizzie McGuire, like, like Game Boy game. And it was, it was great. But also like, I think Barbie also had a Game Boy game at that point. I'm getting ahead of myself before that. um, We we got our PC. We got our little gateway computer. It came with a whole bunch of PC games. And they were really fucking weird. And very like liminal space and very like didn't make sense. And then we were gifted by someone, um, Wishbones the Odyssey, which is the PC game based on the episode where our, where Wishbone, our our amazing history dog, uh, is Odysseus. You play the way you play your right way through the entire book as a small little spotted white dog, and I don't know how PBS was able to make it less like adult and more appropriate for kids, but like I like absolutely loved it, and I just bought it again at at um at a garage sale. Mm -hmm. and like i can't put it in my mac even though i still have the cd port on my mac so i'm i literally want to find someone someone just let me play the game on their pc because like i need to see i need to feel that again but yeah that was so that that and then there was a game called jack's attic which came with uh all gateway pcs and that was like a really weird like maybe not great game for like a (laughs) five-year-old
0: well i mean you're talking about a horror video game today and it's clear that like uh, the macabre is such a fascination with you in terms of listening to spooky emo music or what <laughs> have you. It's not all, it's not all wishbones. as the odyssey for you.
2: Nah.
0: Um, so it sounds like PC gaming was like your, your main thing of choice. Do you remember any other like notable PC games? I know that you and I have talked about, uh, nineties computer games a lot in like our one-on-one uh, conversations.
1: I think Alice is dead came out in 2000 on oh, no, Alice is dead. Sorry. American McGee's Alice. Alice is dead is the Newgrounds game. American, American McGee's Alice came out in 2000 and that game is is was gifted to me because they figured it's Alice in Wonderland and it's it's well it's like extremely violent and like awesome Alice in Wonderland um that's a that's a horror game with a weird with a weird backstory they've been trying to make like a I think like a third or a fourth one and like it's just not happening but it's a it's a great fucking game definitely made for the pc it's unplayable on like they they released it on other consoles but it's like basically unplayable on other consoles
0: yeah no this is something i learned about recently i think through you because mm-hmm. i was aware of like alice madness returns the sequel that came yeah. out in 2011 mm-hmm. and it turns out like oh yeah this this guy american mcgee mm-hmm. who i just like always read his name as like tony hawk's american mcgee wasteland uh like has been mm-hmm. trying to make this third game forever and it's, it's it's just it's just a weird thing it's such a weird hyper specific phenomenon, I guess, with this game that I was aware of but just had no idea that like had like this rich computer game specific history behind it. It was like mm-hmm. the same thing when I really learned what like people were talking about when they were talking about um Vampires to Masquerade. Yes. Completely unrelated thing, but like just like this weird like specific cult hit with like a very specific people working on it that means so much to this niche community.
1: Correct. And that game is so good. The sequel is very
0: good. And there's a lot of other um computer games that you I think brought up before like The Seventh Guest. What do you like what appeals to you about these kinds of games?
1: So the really early like like so if we're going earlier than Alice, the the FMV is one of my favorite things to ever exist in video games and I wish we did it again. Obviously the reason we don't do it anymore is because like graphics are so good now that you don't need to like rent out a film studio in order to like make like the cutscenes be like weird little movie clips. But, like, that's, it's so camp. Like, it's so good. You're, you're playing a video game with extremely shit graphics, okay? It's a point-and-click game. You can barely, like, if there's a puzzle in a game, you can barely fucking do anything. And then it cuts to a movie scene. It's just great.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, there's definitely an appeal to it. And I like the way that I talked about this a little bit in the inscription episode because F&Bs came back then, too. It's, like, it's strange because it is so uniquely... The language of video games, but it's also doing mm-hmm. something cinematic, but not necessarily in the way that video games try to be cinematic in the blockbuster sense. Yes, where they're they're trying to like mimic the beats of film. They are these are very much like taking the real world and ex- putting it into a video game, and I find that very very fascinating.
1: I agree. There's a game I can't think of it right now where it's like a slumber party, and the cutscenes are just girls in like really skimpy pajamas um, getting murdered, and I was way too young to be seeing that. But there I was,
0: was this night trap?
1: Yes. Ooh, yes. Yeah. Oh, man. So bad. So bad. But the cutscenes were great. Because you got the two red blood. You got the really mm-hmm. looking weapon. And then you just got like a really hot girl going. Ah. That's all it, that's all one it takes of the video me.
0: games they brought to Congress to call this perversions. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yes. Yes. like this is bad for our kids well it was great for lauren who realized that she liked boobies at a very young age
0: well yeah i'm glad that it meant a lot to at least one gay person (laughs) that's the the, that's the thesis of this show is it's not here like video (laughs) games aren't for strictly for the masses we can talk about these things in like personal meaningful ways and i'm glad you didn't pick night trap because i don't think i'd be comfortable talking about that as much (laughs) for my personal taste But unfortunately, the structure of the show, I don't get to pick the games. I don't get to pick them. I let the guests pick them.
1: Imagine if I did pick that, though. I would be like, Like, okay. I love you so much. (laughs) We have to have a talk.
0: (laughs) Um, Sam Barlow, I don't know if you're familiar with that, the the game designer. Uh, He's one of the people basically trying to keep FMV games alive.
1: Oh, okay.
0: He did this game in 2015 called Her Story that got a lot of praise at the time another well, game we that came played out
1: that we literally played that in a in a sociology course in grad school oh really yes i'm very completely like you played sure this in, we hmm. did yeah
0: yeah no yeah this is um the interviewing tapes FMB yes, movie
1: yes she made us download steam for for our course yes
0: that is so cool that you got to play a video game in an academic setting i understand it's a very difficult subject matter obviously yes but
1: yes yeah, it was, it was cool. It was a really cool class. Um, that teacher kind of like sucks, but uh, oh, if she ever hears this <laughs> like b- bigly sorry to you, but I hate everyone in that department. But that was fun. That's like one of the only good memories I have from grad school. So see FMB, it saves, it saves guys.
0: I have that similar experience with college where it's like I remember all the video games I played there and they were great, but I didn't <laughs> play them for class. Stardew Valley was purely for me.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. Stardew Valley. Oh, Jesus Christ.
0: But yeah, no. Uh, her, he did her story, another movie. Uh, sorry, another, another game in 2019 called Telling Lies, and then last year Immortality, which um has been I've been hearing a lot lately. And you can actually play this game via Netflix uh, uh on your phone. Oh, so if okay. you have a Netflix subscription, you can play an FMV game called Immortality, and I think you would get a lot out of it. Actually, Lauren.
1: Okay, I'm going to do that then. Thank you. Does
0: yeah, new, absolutely. does
1: Newgrounds Newground still exist? Can we still play Newgrounds?
0: Newgrounds still exists, yeah.
1: Okay, I might do a nostalgia, like deep, go deep dive back into like all the games used to freak me out on that website.
0: Look, I'm happy to promote video game behavior. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> hell, hell yeah! I think uh, I don't know what specific new what specific Newgrounds games do you remember playing?
1: So Alice is dead, which is where you play, where it literally starts off. Alice is dead, like literally, and then the rabbit, the white rabbit, is investigating her death. And then Legacy of, Pl- of Pliskin, which was like a like a ridiculously made, like really funny, like fantasy, like at point and click game. I remember like loving it because whoever did the voice of the main character sounded like Bo Burnham. <laughs> <laughs> and I was in high school and I was excited about Bo Burnham and also that game. There's a game that I can't think of the name of it. I know that if I type in the plot or something, on, I looking back on it now... The game was heavily inspired by, um, by oh my god, by PT. Because it has a similar, like, open the toilet, there's a the head in it scene. Um, but basically, the serial killer breaks out of, of prison and goes to your fucking house. And, like, it kills your dad. And, like, the, basically, the game over was so scary <laughs> that I slept in my <laughs> parents' bed as a 15-year-old for a week
0: okay wow this
1: was a Newgrounds game yeah
0: (laughs) that's that's intense yeah I can't remember any flash games or like Newgrounds stuff I played back in the day and I think I'm better off for not remembering everything from from before I was 18 useless information I don't need to remember any of that but I don't know like it's so strange because it felt like that was such like an essential part of people growing up and like just playing video games on the computer and it seems Mm -hmm. like with like the explosion of the indie scene like people who were making these games back then were able to find like actual critical and financial success and expanding on their careers. I find that.
1: Yeah. yeah. Then they learn that's really hard to get a fucking indie game made. And then we never get a fucking third Alice fucking movie because no one loves it or game because no one loves us and no one wants us to be (laughs) happy. That's my deduction.
0: So it's safe. I think it's pretty safe to say that you're a computer gamer at heart. Do you have like an affection for any other consoles or would you say you're mainly a PC person?
1: Um, I'm trying to think what I made. So I love the Evil Within two. The first one is fine. The second one is fantastic. Doesn't get enough love. And I made my ex boyfriend play it. I made him play that, and I don't know what console it's on though. But it was on one of the really expensive ones. <laughs> like he wouldn't let me touch it because like he don't want fingerprints on it. So I can't think of a console that's on.
0: It was a multi platform release.
1: Okay, and then whatever the Last of Us is on.
0: Yeah, uh, that's PlayStation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Based on your like response to, I don't really know what those consoles are. You you gave me your answer. You're a PC person. Uh, but <laughs> I, I'm glad you have like these. <laughs> I'm glad you have a connection to these other games. And you mentioned uh, The Evil Within Two as one of the games that you wanted to talk about, as well as The Last of Us Part Two, that also yeah. came up in the conversation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You were saying this like your ex played these games. You, did you get to interact with them yourself, or did you just have? Were you experiencing them through someone else?
1: I played The Last of Us and The Last of Us Part Two uh I made him like what I would literally be like, Can I have a spare key so I can go over and just like play? And he'd be like, Yeah, and I'd be like, Great. So I'd be chilling with like this pet bird that he had. And it'd be just me Mm -hmm. and the bird just playing a really sad video game. Um and then I replayed it also at a man's house like last year or the year before last year when I had to when I was freelancing for fandom and wrote like a really like the emotional feature about The Last of Us Part Two. So I've only ever borrowed people's consoles. I've never owned a console. Oh, we had a GameCube growing up. Does that feel?
0: No, yeah. Do you remember what you played on the GameCube?
1: The SpongeBob SquarePants movie game. Good game. Gianna's actually really far in it. Every time we go home, we like we play a little bit more of it. We have to do a walkthrough actually for one of like the like the really hard plankton levels. Uh, Starsky and Hutch, uh, like the movie
0: that's the first time I've ever anybody heard anybody mention that there was a star and hutch video game yeah, this is the owen wilson movie
1: yeah it's hard too it's a really difficult game
0: <laughs> i'm saying this with like well, my understanding of what most movie games are it's probably just bad it's probably not hard it's probably just bad
1: <laughs> the car goes. it's like a, it's like a grand theft auto ripoff the gameplay
0: okay yeah let me look uh gamecube 59 out of 100 on metacritic i think the game might just be bad <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: yeah i'm sorry i don't not to, not the shit on you or, or like your taste or anything because we all played movie games like that back in the day and i remember having a lot of memories of like man none of this is as good as like say the spongebob squarepants movie game for example because they don't have polish they just like cranked a video game out in a few months to coincide with the movie as part of the product
1: yeah that is that is true, man. Maybe it was bad. This SpongeBob SquarePants movie is a game is like pretty fucking good though, like really, really like good. It, yeah. Actually, yeah. So it's really hard, like, even if you're playing on the easiest mode. It's like terrifyingly difficult. It made me feel stupid. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're not stupid. Um, you're Thank just, you just you're probably better off like not being the most, you know, best video game player in the world. I, I think for your mental health and for. The sanity, I think. I think it's good that you don't have such strong convictions about consoles and video games. You know? If
1: I was a Twitch streamer and I was playing something on a console, like it would just be like me getting bodied in the comments, being I mean, like, "This bitch sucks." Like, why <laughs> can't she click buttons? And I'd be like, "Look, like I have arthritis. Like, it's easier <laughs> for me to just point and click." Okay,
0: sorry. That probably speaks to your, you know, point and click convenience too. <laughs> like, it's a lot easier. Yeah. To do these things than it is to you know platforming games require a lot of fast response times and agility and this has come up when the last two games i talked about um inscription and phoenix Wright ace attorney these are narrative driven games that you can play at your own pace and you're not really compelled to like react very quickly
1: i've never played that though i love the memes the memes are beautiful
0: oh yeah they're great (laughs) um it's just amazing that like something that was originally niche and barely got a release in america is now like a language people who don't really play video games can understand yeah um i I would i would recommend them to you because they're on everything and they are very much like just tap 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 you don't have to do much
1: love a good tap 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 okay it's gay it's gay that sounds that sounds up my alley yeah (laughs)
0: um so i usually ask people what have they been playing lately but it doesn't seem like you have much time to play video games based on you know, how busy you are being in New York City and all that. But what do you, what were the last video games you can think of playing?
1: What is the last thing? Um, I've been playing escape room games that I find in the mobile app store on the iPhone. Um, Like I literally type in aesthetic escape escape room and like get really, get really high and then get really frustrated Um, because like (laughs) escape room games suck so bad. Like they're so hard but then i was doing there's like a game where you have all these cats and all the cats have jobs and it's really serene and peaceful and there's like rain sounds that's really relaxing so they market it as like oh here's this relaxing aesthetic game they don't tell you that it's so much money that you have to put in to like make stuff happen in the game same thing oh, yeah, with the game. microtransactions yeah same thing with the game best fiends if you want to do anything in that game that is so beloved by every podcaster you have to literally put in so much money to level up. your like, your. I was like, I was like, what do you, I just want to play something while I'm on the toilet. Like I, I'm not giving you $50. I don't care if my, if my bug has to wear a costume. I'm not doing this.
0: I admire the resilience of my mother who at one point <laughs> had beaten all of the candy crush available to her. <laughs> um, this is like really early candy crush. Like, like when it was like first coming out never, never once paid for a life. <laughs>
2: I love like, that for her. I know this because she
0: doesn't know how to, she know how to work technology like that. So I, I'm certain she never once paid a dollar for Candy Crush.
1: Wow, I love, I, I love that for her. I admire her.
0: Yeah, go Darlene. Um, <laughs> is, there some, is there a game that you want to play that you haven't had the chance to play yet? This could be something coming out or something that mm-hmm. has been out for a while.
1: You know what, there's, a, there's for some reason, the, the top of my head, there's a game that I want to replay, like so badly, but, but for some, I feel like I can't play anything new until I go back. There's a game called it's called Soma that came out like a billion years ago, and it is extremely depressing. Um, it has one of the most devastating video game endings I have ever experienced in my life. And for some reason, I'm in this mode where like, I don't want to play anything else until I like, re get stabbed in the heart. I'm not sure why that is um have you ever heard of it
0: i've heard of it i haven't played it myself yet you've you brought up a lot of video games that i've either heard of and never played or like just like have have you know neither which i appreciate this because we have completely different levels of like experience and engagement with this like i've never touched the alice games i just found out about like what the deal was with them last year
1: uh-huh. and
0: you with a completely different ramp into video games don't care for consoles god bless you um <laughs> Uh, what do you like about Soma? Like what appeals to you about it without like having to spoil any like the big beats of it?
1: I like, I know there's like, there's like a kind of a divide because I work for a game that, or, or a website that like is mostly video games, right? I do like the entertainment TV film beat, but it's Games Radar is primarily a video games website. And I've noticed that in our readers, there's like a divide between like just wanting a game where you can just like, Pew, pew 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 the whole time and then people who want games that have a little bit of emotion and like heart in them and i find myself really going for the games that are horribly violent but just horribly emotional and so i would i would put so i would put soma in the same kind of realm as like the last of us and stuff but like it is devastating the whole way through and it's such a quick like playthrough and i've like found myself like getting very attached to the characters Um. Fully knowing that, like none of this is real, Lauren. Like it's fine, and I'm like, no, it's not fine because they're not going to be fine. Kind of like when you had to calm me down after I saw Guardians of the Galaxy. (laughs) 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 But um, it's just like very like well written and just very like I feel like it takes like good writing and good direction just to like really make like a video game character to really feel like they're real and they're like almost in the room with you.
0: No, I get it. It's it's to immerse yeah. you in something. I think that all the games that you brought up are, you know, part of the survival horror genre. Like The Last of Us is a narratively driven game, but it has the veneer of the horror stuff that drives you through it and gives you that atmosphere that you really like. Soma is by the developers of those amnesia games. So it's a survival horror game. You talk about the um, what was the other one that you said? The Evil Within Two. These are all definitely horror games. Mm-hmm. And then there's the Spongebob SquarePants movie, which scares you because of how hard <laughs> it is. Um It's clear that horror is like a big part of your life and it's like the stuff that you're gravitating towards and it's the stuff that you find yourself really immersed in when you're playing a video game. Mm -hmm. You know, this is Halloween month. This is the Halloween month here on Select and Start 2. We're about to talk about a horror game in a minute here. Let's go back to movies for a second. Like, what are just like your favorite horror movies? Like, what what do you look at in terms of horror films?
1: Mm. So it's funny because I feel like, if I looked at my, if I look at my letterbox, like top four, like it's literally the crow. And then, which is going to be great guys. The roommate, the re, the fucking Ruby, the, the, the reboot can't speak. The reboot is going to be great. It, reboot in quotations, but it's a reimagining, I guess. And like, and it's going to be great because they're, they're, they're they are vowing to us that it is based on the, they're going, they're going fully based on the source material which is extremely rich and extremely in depth and which the original movie what which is amazing barely like, scratched the surface of like it deserves like a big hollywood like budget like it is like an incredibly complex video game like video game <laughs> Gra- graphic novel with like which was like born out of grief and like the helplessness that comes with like losing someone the fact that he was able to uh James Over, I was able to kind of take all this like pain and like make this amazing like work of art out of it. They cast the right people. We don't really know much else about the movie, but I have high hopes um, especially if they are leaning more towards like it being an adaptation and not a remake.
0: Oh, so. Bill Skarsgård and F.K.H. Wiggs in leading roles. I mean, I'm interested. Yes. My my hesitation with it is it's The Ghost in the Shell and Snow White and the Huntsman director, but I'm Yep. <laughs> we'll see. We'll put a pin in this conversation and come back to it next year. Uh, But I I like (laughs) FKH Wigs. I like Bill Skarsgård. I'm here. I'm here. Uh, What other horror do you like?
1: I love slashers. Um, My my spiritual awakening was the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That was when that was like my first final girl experience. My first time ever being like, oh my God, I'm the final girl. Like, fuck yeah. That's why my my first book is called that. Yeah. Uh, Let the Right One In, which I think is the best vampire movie Hands down, period. Like that, those two nine-year-olds have like (laughs) the best like love story ever. As like horribly gory and like unsettling as that movie is, it's also very beautifully done. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like more people need to talk about it. It's another like really good horror movie. Like I obviously like like I love all the mainstream stuff, and I love Scream. I don't agree with making Scream without Nev Campbell, but that's just me. That I think the franchise should have died with Wes. But you know. That's just me. Yeah, I'm not really I'm not really super stoked about all of like the like I think Miramax just bought rights to like a Halloween like TV show and it's just like for why.
0: Yeah. For I why? F- I think that's what's really getting to me about horror. And this has always been a thing and it's like it's weird now that it's uh cross media. Like it was one thing when you had like 11 11- friday to 13th movies and it's like another one fuck okay i can i can live with there being bad halloween movies still being made i can live with that i can live with that because Mm -hmm. halloween bad halloween movies have always been made yeah and there are great horror sequels there are terrible horror sequels now that we're like turning it into like okay now like not only is it part of a franchise but you have to like watch a tv show too to keep up with something or to just like get more of it it feels overwhelming and it also just feels like this is the content mill Try to trying to veer the conversation away back to the you know just horror stuff in general <laughs> that we that we like. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of the Evil Dead movies. Uh, they're like maybe I my love the I think it might be the best trilogy ever if you had to like really like put them up there. I like Lord of the Rings and the Evil Dead, which the third one is Lord of the Rings. So it, it runs the gamut. <laughs> it's every genre. You get the straight horror original one. You get the comedy second one. You get the very funny comedy epic third one. You get everything.
1: I think the new Evil Dead was fantastic. I think it was uh, absolutely wonderful.
0: I still haven't watched the 2013 remake I saw Evil Dead Rise. I had a good time with it. I think you could just keep making Necronomicon movies, and I'd be fine.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I like nothing's going to touch the Raimi trilogy as long as people. I think the Obviously, idea that anybody's yeah. trying to touch the Raimi trilogy is like a, nobody is doing that. I just like seeing Deadites. Mm-hmm. I just like seeing Deadites. Like, give me the book. Give me the Girl with the boomstick, you got it. Okay, cool. Awesome. That's all we need.
1: They almost had a dead eyed cat, and then the director was like, you know what? I am not gonna pull a Mike Flanagan on this one. The people are gonna get really mad at me, actually. And I was just like, Oh my god, you're so smart. Yes, thank you. I was literally shitting my fucking pants about the cat the whole time. And I they and they cut out the the cat being in the in the ceiling and something bad happening to it. So thank God.
0: <laughs> yeah uh I'm, I'm a wes anderson fan and there's always like a a, a a dog that's in danger and it's the most stressful fucking thing in the world but hey listen i like mike flanagan's <laughs> movies i've never i have no problem with horror, i want to watch these shows so bad i don't have time for tvs the other thing but i like the movies a lot
1: i have the cup of stars on my from from hill house on my arm because that that that's a show that I love so much. We'll never watch again because it is emotionally devastating. But every time someone comes for me for criticizing my plan again, I have to show like show the arm tattoo. That man does not like cats.
0: I love. I have I have three cats, so maybe I, maybe I won't watch these TV shows for loving my cats.
1: Don't I? I wouldn't watch Fall Fall, Out, Fall of the House of Usher is great. I just made sure to fast forward every time we had Raul Colley like going up against a cat with a knife. Hmm. So.
0: You you say that, you know, I don't want to see upsetting cat stuff. And then you gave me this game where there is an upsetting cat situation. So
1: I blocked that out of my brain so hard. And I forgot when I went back and like was watching game like like playthroughs. I was like, oh, God. Fucking damn it.
0: Yeah. So hypocrite, hypocrite.
1: <laughs> I forgot.
0: <laughs> Sorry. It's OK. I, I'll eventually watch Haunting of Hill House. And uh, what was the second one after that one?
1: Uh, Bly Manor.
0: Blind Manor, Midnight Mass, The Midnight Club, and then The Fall of the House of All Usher. upsetting.
1: All upsetting. And then the next thing he's doing is making a Dark Tower series for Netflix. Oh no, for Prime? For Prime. For Netflix? For, no, for Prime. Yeah, for Amazon Prime. this is his last venture with Netflix.
0: But yeah, I like Mike Flanagan's stuff. I will I will engage with it. I'll try and watch these TV shows one day. It's just, <laughs> I do this. I had to play a video game. I, I felt terrible because I finished playing uh, today's game today oh i wanted to give it more time welcome. and like break it up more but and i did i got to play the entire thing and i'll talk about my experience with that because i have like i think it made me appreciate aspects of it more having to play it on a time crunch okay but before we talk about that game that you picked do you have any more games that you want to shout out that you enjoy or just mean a lot to you
1: <laughs> i really thought for a second you you're gonna be like today's sponsors hello Fresh. i don't um, have
0: sponsors i don't do that shit <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's like the natural pause um any other games oh my friend amanda gardner and her husband bill gardner um have a game called Romanceylvania, and it is like if you're a monster fucker if you're into like you know like like really hot werewolf dudes in that like sexy anime style that game is so for you Mm -hmm. it's great But, um, Bill worked on, um, on Bioshock, um, Mm -hmm. and then after that, uh, the company that made Bioshock, or I'm not sure which Bioshock, actually, like, Folded, uh, he and Amanda, uh, developed, uh, Deep End, the Deep End Games, which is, like, their own indie company, um, and they've made some really cool shit. Yeah, so go Google them. They are, and Amanda's also an author, so, yeah, they're, like, a super cool power couple. Um, but, yeah, if you, like... Like really, that really sexy romantic anime style where like everyone's hair is just flowing in the wind in slow motion, like it's for you. Okay. It's definitely for me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Romanceylvania, And that's another thing I really enjoy is like stuff that's spooky, but not necessarily scary. There's spooky, there's scary, and then there's spooky scary. And I enjoy the spookies just as much as I enjoy the spooky and the scary and the spooky scary.
1: (laughs) Can you say that like five times fast? No, (laughs) I
0: won't. I like talking to you about like, all the kinds of stuff that we've talked about. It's just fun talking to you, Lauren, but we got to narrow our focus on today's game. It's possibly the most unique and out there game I've covered on the show to date. I am, of course, talking about Phantasmagoria. I'm going to try something and I'm sorry. Phantasmagoria. Beware Zoltan Carnot. Killing wives, killing wives, oh. The critics were offended. I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
1: How did you, how did you, how did, how did Listomania come into your mind and you decided that's, that's what I'm going to do the parody with?
0: I don't know how my brain works. How did did Phoenix, (laughs) what
1: has anyone even heard from Phoenix in like 10 years? Like where did that come from?
0: (laughs) Okay. So Phoenix actually had a pretty good album come out a couple years ago in like 2021. I think I really like it. Yeah. There's a track on there. I really like called identical it's just a solid album and like yeah like it's very late 2000s early 2010s but i don't know i'm i'm 27 i like phoenix i like mgmt (laughs) i like i like the indie stuff from when i was 13 sue me
1: wait is electric feel mgmt yes okay i like that song (laughs) so everyone everyone can sit down i like that song I'm 30. I like that song. Another That's spooky it.
0: album, Little Dark Age, an tr- album they released in 2018.
1: So, Well, don't they have that music video where like it's supposed to be a little kid walking and like there's all these like scary monsters and the kid's just crying the entire time?
0: Yeah, it's a music video for kids.
1: Yeah, I, hate, I hated the absolute shit out of that. So. I
0: don't watch the music videos. I listen to the songs.
1: Oh, my God. You guys, I want you all to know that Kiefer thinks he's better than all of us.
0: I'm not. I just like know like if it's a, it's, it's a, it is an upsetting music video. I watched it once. I watched it once.
1: Bob, Bob literally had to like assure, like had to do his own research and assure me that it, he's like, he's like, the, the, the behind the scenes is fine. The kid is like laughing and smiling with the monsters the whole time. I was like, OK, thank you, dad. That makes me feel a little slightly more better. Thank you.
0: You had to make your dad Google MGMT kids to reassure you that the kid was okay at the end.
1: I think he found the news video on his own because Paul McCartney asked them to, to ask them to tour with him and they said no. Mhm. Yeah, and that's when I was like he said no to Sir Paul McCartney? Like suck my dick.
0: <laughs> I love Paul. I don't think it would have been a good companion act though. I think it would have been two different audiences. The people I
1: agree, but damn.
0: Yeah, no, like I just like imagine most baby, boom, baby boomers listening to an MGMT track, and I'm like, I don't think they, they, they would like time to pretend like that. True.
1: You're, you're so right.
0: Yeah. I appreciate Paul McCartney being up to date on his music, though. That's, that's sweet. I do, too. He, he did do a song with Kanye West. <laughs> I just remembered that. I just now remembered that. He did a he song did. with Kanye. It's fine. I like it.
1: It's definitely a song.
0: I like four or five seconds. I like only one. That was 2015. God, I was 19, and I'm not 19 anymore. We'll never be those kids again. Great. Oh my god. Oh well. I was supposed to introduce (laughs) Phantasmagoria like three minutes ago, so we're gonna do that now. (laughs) Normally, when I introduce the game, I jump right into the background and history and the development and recognize some key people who worked on the game. But before I do that, I do have to mention something. On February 3rd, 2021, Fandom published an article titled The Weird and Wonderful History of Phantasmagoria, written by none other than today's guest, Lauren badio Milici. So I'm not going to read your article word for word, but a lot of what you wrote is here in my notes. And I'm going to put a link to the article in the description of this episode so curious listeners can read more about this game and enjoy your work as a writer.
2: Thank you.
0: Anyway, let's get into it. There's a lot to be said about the creation of this game and the people behind it, so I'll try and just hit the big points. Phantasmagoria is a point-and-click adventure horror game made for the MS-DOS and Microsoft Windows. It was developed and published by Sierra Online, now known as Sierra Entertainment Inc., Sierra Online was historically known for their graphic adventure games, including King's Quest, Space Quest, Police Quest, Quest for Glory, and Leisure Suit Larry. No discussion of this game would be complete without talking about Roberta Williams, who co-founded Sierra Online with her husband, Ken Williams. The first game they made together, Mystery House, is credited as the first graphical adventure game, as well as one of the first horror games. Their work, especially Roberta's, would go on to be mainly in the fantasy genre, where she would go on to design the Dark Crystal video game and create the King's Quest series, which was incredibly successful as a computer game at the time. Uh, Roberta, a fan of horror, did not want to be typecast as a fantasy writer though, and wanted to make a horror game. Which brings us to today's game. In a 2006 interview for adventureclassicgaming.com, Roberta Williams said if she had to pick one single game that represented her achievement in her career as a game designer, it would be Phantasmagoria. And reading about that game's development, you can tell how much of a passion project this game was and how much was riding on its success. It was a new and transformative experience both for her and Sierra Online. In the official Sierra Insiders guide for Phantasmagoria, Roberta Williams talks about how much she wanted to make a horror game for Eight years prior to Phantasmagoria, but waited until the industry and software technology advanced to a point where she felt an effectively horrifying game could be developed. Uh, She waited until CD-ROM technology had advanced to the point where it would be able to handle full motion video, or FMV, as we mentioned earlier. It's where a game uses pre-recorded videos for its interactive elements. You know, instead of using like a digital character model like a sprite or a vector or a 3D model. So for Williams, it was important to use real actors in a horror game because she felt it made it easier for the player to empathize and fear for the person they're playing as. With the technology where she needed it to be, Roberta got to work on the writing of the game, being the first Sierra online game to be written as a traditional film screenplay. The story focuses on Adrian Delaney, a novelist with only one outfit. She and her loving photographer husband Don and their pet cat move to a remote mansion on a New England island. Its previous owner was a famous magician from the 19th century, Zoltan Karno, who had five wives throughout his life, all of whom died under mysterious circumstances. I wonder what happened to them. I don't know. <laughs> Adrian hopes the new space will give her the inspiration for her new novel, but she finds herself being haunted by nightmares and scared by Don's increasingly hostile behavior. Shenanigans ensue. Uh, the script result was 550 pages long. Additional 100 pages of storyboards. This was a massive, massive undertaking. Andy Hoyos, the game's art director, drew inspiration from Alien, Hellraiser, and Tim Burton's 1989 Batman. The game has over 1,000 backgrounds, when a typical computer game maybe had like 80 to 100. Uh, this is still stuff that's coming from like the the guide for the game. Like this is like stuff that they're like talking about, like we We did so much shit, guy we did We did way too much shit, but look, look, look at the game though. Ah, uh, the game's music was composed by Jay Usher and Mark Siebert. Neil Grantstaff provided additional music. Mark Siebert was also one of the project managers for the game and spoke to the complexity of the project in the game's guide. Uh, a game with this level of scope and scale could not be developed entirely in-house at Sierra, and they had to get a bunch of outside resources. For example, this was the first Sierra game to use live recordings for its music, including a 135 voice choir uh, for the for the opening track. And I want an army of didgeridoos. 50,000 didgeridoos! Another first for the game is that it was their first game filmed at their $1.5 million studio built by Sierra. They filmed over 600 scenes over four months, uh, by director Peter Morris whose previous experience was mainly in B-movies. It was an experimental shooting process for the company as all the filming was done in front of a blue screen and new software basically had to be developed on the fly to help the shoot along. Uh, it was a deeply challenging shooting process but the game itself was actually pretty straightforward in design. Roberta wanted it to be intuitive and accessible For more casual gamers in a period of time where the industry was growing exponentially and more people were like getting themselves into the genre uh, or the medium. It's a story focused experience made to be simple so it would be easier for the players to navigate through the narrative. Phantasmagoria took two years of development, 200 people, and $4.5 million to make. It was originally budgeted for $800,000. It was a huge, ambitious swing. And it was finally released on August 24th, 1995. Other games released in 1995 include Chrono Trigger, one of my favorite games of all time, Command & Conquer, Descent, Discworld, Full Throttle, I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream, Mortal Kombat 3, Space Quest six, Star Wars Dark Forces, The Beasts Within, A Gabriel Knight Mystery, Warcraft 2, and Earthbound, which I previously covered on the show with my buddy Jared. Uh, I mentioned a lot of computer games in this list. Uh, Lauren, do you have any experience with any of them?
1: I absolutely, absolutely do not.
0: <laughs> That's fine. I just had to ask. You haven't played so, so many video games in your life. Not a judgment. Not a judgment whatsoever. Like I said, I like to have all sorts of experiences and perspectives on the show. What ultimately made you decide on Phantasmagoria?
1: Um, I'm trying to remember how... Like many years ago it was, but I think maybe it was my maybe back in the myspace days someone had a gif i say gif, not gif, whatever of um the murder scene uh with um i think the worst wife death in the entire game uh and it bothered me severely, and it was all pixelated and weird, and I thought about it for years before deciding to like find like um before steam finding like a weird like rip of it and playing it on like our last like pc that, like no longer exists in our house and i think about this game like more than i think about like my own like childhood mm-hmm. i see adrian's face more than i see my own mother's okay
0: <laughs> <laughs> interesting uh thank you for sharing <laughs> i appreciate that <laughs> illuminating look into your life lauren <laughs> um <laughs> so this is like my space era so you weren't like a young child like seeing like a pile of computer games at your desk and like you know putting them into a computer this was like something that you were like yeah. at least like a teenager uh when no i was
1: uh, no i i was like maybe 13 or 14
0: yeah a teenager um yeah, <laughs> yeah that, um,
1: that's pre that's preteen to me but, it's okay, okay,
0: 13 fine. 14
1: okay. okay. Okay, fine. Math. Fine, whatever. <laughs>
0: Numbers. <laughs> Read them. <laughs> oh my god. Listen to what they're saying. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, so like you're 13, 14. This is when you first encountered the game. Like what was the experience like playing that at, as a teenager?
1: I was I it's funny because it was around that time that I also played Alice's Dead for the first time. Um cuz I got, I had become obsessed with it when I was like 9, but I wasn't allowed to play it. So then I was I was able to play and i wish i remembered exactly what like the process of like finding these games like later and like playing them was but is
0: this alice um, is dead or like alice the the america alice
1: oh sorry american american sorry american biggies alice and i remember just being like so like scared but like so fascinated and so excited um because it was right before i got actually got into horror movies and stuff Mm -hmm. at that time the crow was still my favorite movie I don't, and, I don't remember, and I don't remember what else I was obsessed with at the time, but I remember just, like, getting really, like, weirdly, like, obsessed with, like, how weird the violence was in the game. Like, I feel like it was, like, the, my first time ever seeing violence like that in a video game. Yeah, because, like, I don't know, you watch a bunch of older kids play Banjo-Kazooie, and then suddenly, like, this woman's getting, like, a fucking gardening shovel to the throat.
0: It's a very interesting relationship with violence in video games and it's one I want to talk about later as we get into the controversial elements of this game and like the contra- real life controversy mm-hmm. it inspired because of the content within. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because like violence is something that is inflicted on people and on the player character but it is not something the character can really inflict in any way. Like it's a point and click game. These aren't mm-hmm. action oriented video games. So
1: Yeah.
0: It's just interesting because like so many other video games are When they feature violence like this, it's usually like a power fantasy. And this is more of like a, you are a normal woman, Mm -hmm. incomprehensibly horrible stuff is happening around you and you're bearing witness to it. And it's, it's fascinating, especially in this medium.
1: Yeah. And the little clicky doodads you're doing have no effect on like the violence that's actually happening in the game. Yeah. which was weird. mm -hmm. It was like you're just as helpless as she is. And so it's like you're sitting there in horror with her and you're just watching like this like gross shit happen. And then you're me and you're thirteen. And you're like, this is really cool.
0: Yeah, you can't prevent <laughs> violence from happening to other people because they're all flashbacks. You're just you're just bearing witness. Yeah. So you can't even have the power mm-hmm. fantasy of saving people. The only person whose mm-hmm. life you can save is your own player characters. And even then your life mm-hmm. isn't threatened until the final chapter. Correct. Yeah. Thank you for giving me sort of that like background into your encounter with this game. How often do you think you revisit it? Because you say it's like, kind of like occupying a space in your mind.
1: I watched a, a like a playthrough of it. Do we still call it that? What's it was there like an actual name for let's play? It, it I guess, yeah. The so, yeah. They still call it that. Um, mm-hmm. But I think someone streamed it not too long ago and I was watching them play and they were like, what the fuck is this? Why, why is any of this happening? And I was in chat like, welcome. Like finally someone else is feeling this for the first time. Like, it's then it's like interesting also watching like playthroughs of people who have like played it before and them like just being like so like, yeah, this happens next. It kinda sucks, you guys. Like mm-hmm. you're squeamish, like don't watch. Um, but watching someone play it for the first time is like awesome. Uh, because they are just like, what the fuck? Fuck this shit the whole time.
0: Yeah. Especially people our age, because like obviously you like you had like, in a, like a very specific encounter, like in an internet space, seeing a gif of it and that occupying uh-huh. your mind, and you needing to find a resolution to it. But uh-huh. point and click games weren't. Where basically by the time like I was old enough to play video games, already out of fashion. The ones I grew up playing mm-hmm. on the, my dad's computer were like Mickey Mouse point and click games, Blue's Clues oh. point and click games, and Arthur one I kind of remember, but there wasn't any point and click games that I would otherwise play that weren't in like the educational realm. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I totally became a genius because of those. Um,
1: <laughs> totally. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, that was great. This is like the first time I've played like an adult traditional adventure point and click game. Like the last two games that I played for this show uh, were both narrative games that were like using this kind of like where everything is in service of the narrative. Like Phoenix Wright is a visual novel and Inscription is like using video game mechanics like card game and roguelike elements. But they're really Mm -hmm. in service of moving a narrative forward. This is like an actual like historical artifact in the sense where it's like they don't make mm-hmm. games like this anymore this is a very specific era in history and it's almost like at that tail end of it too
2: yes you're yeah
0: correct. it's like the beta max of what it is but <laughs> before we talk more about phantasmagoria we have to talk about this game's availability so other people can have their first encounter with this game you know you've talked about the streaming element of this and i haven't watched people stream this game but i have heard People who are like in my like circle who are like video game adjacent but don't play themselves being like, Oh, I know someone who streamed that more than once. So it's like it's interesting. Like I don't know how popular it is to stream, but more than one person said, I've seen somebody stream that. I'm glad that it still like has a life of its own. But for people who want to play it themselves, we're gonna talk about its availability in a segment I do every episode called And No Country for Old Games.
1: You said the thing, you guys. I've been waiting for it to hear that.
0: (laughs) You're a listener, (laughs) wow.
1: I am a listener.
0: <laughs> Thanks for listening and also for being on the show itself. I wonder if you'll listen to this one.
1: If I sound smart and you think I sound smart, then I will. Because normally I try to never listen to my podcast episodes back.
0: I have to do it because I edit my own. Every It's it's great. I'm not those kind of person that like just goes back and listens to my own stuff because I'm already sick of it by the time it's out.
1: I, yeah. yeah.
0: Love it. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about the, the video games availability here. Uh, The subject of video game preservation means a great deal to me because I believe that video games are an art form and create experiences that leave some kind of impact on the people who play them. I mean, this game already left an impact on you before you played it. Uh, Unfortunately, Uh this means very little to publishers who have historically struggled with keeping their older games on modern hardware. As time goes on, games that were once easily readily available to purchase and play become more and more difficult to acquire. And in this segment, we are going to rate today's game on a scale of A to ARG. And ARG is obviously an expression of frustration in how hard it is to acquire a game and not me covertly advocating for piracy, which is illegal, matey. Uh, Before we get into the history of this game's availability, which may make for one of our most interesting conversations around this, you know, games like the circumstances surrounding this game are very interesting. And preservation is like a very important part of this conversation. But I do need to sort of qualify this by like saying that there's going to be a conversation about some heavy subjects that may be considered upsetting to some listeners. At this point in the show, the reason that this game is controversial and was controversial when it was released and like is not just because it has like very gruesome kills, but also because at the beginning of the game's fourth chapter, there is a depiction of sexual assault and if that makes you uncomfortable i completely understand if you do not want to listen to this but it is a core part of understanding this game and its history so again before we move forward this is going to come up thank you for listening to this point um and i will we'll get there i need to sort of get to how we get there which is Phantasmagoria was originally released on August 24th, 1995, the same day the operating system, Windows 95, was released. Uh, Roberto Williams's ambition could not be contained into a single disc. This game launched with seven. Uh, at launch, you could play the game on Windows 95, Windows 3.1, and MS-DOS, and it typically retailed for $69.95. It was released for Macintosh computers in November of that year. And it was also ported to the Sega Saturn exclusively in Japan, where it was retitled Phantasm and translated and dubbed into Japanese. But when we we're talking about the availability of this game, this game was banned in countries like Australia because at the time they did not have like an 18 plus restriction and the ESRB wasn't standard in America yet. So this game was technically released without what would be an R, sorry without an M rating or possibly even an adults only rating because this was still a newly founded thing and was still being debated in Congress at the time. And that's sort of like where the conversation sort of gets interesting because people were repulsed and shocked by the the depictions of the headings and faces being ripped aside. But the main sticking point when people were discussing this game was the depiction of the sexual assault that happens where it's, and it's real actors. It's like real actors. And it became this sort of like secondhand game of telephone that people were playing where it's like, oh, this game depicts sexual assault. Did you know that like since it's a video game and you play video games, that means you, you sexually assault people in the game? And it's a simu- like it, stuff like that. Like it got extrapolated to such and such point that like it is upsetting content on its own, but the conversation around that upsetting content became an exaggeration of what was depicted. You know, people were familiar with like Doom and Mortal Kombat as like active participation interaction. But this is just a cutscene where your character has something horrible happen to them. Whereas like people understand video games as you doing things to other people. So certain vendors would not carry this game when it came out because, you know, people were talking about this happens in the video game. Comp USA, which was the largest discount computer retailer at the time and there were like some smaller retailers but like you could still like buy it at like big box stores cuz again like it was a popular game by a popular publisher and the the rating system wasn't in place yet but this was a big thing that like moved that conversation forward
1: i mean also we were still in like the I, the mindset of like video games are targeted towards children so the idea of like a small baby child potentially playing a video game with that kind of scene was also like because I remember when I researched my article, there was a whole bunch of pushback from like the like family association of and it contributed to that whole like, like we need to ban video games in general because they are ruining our kids and blah, 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 blah. And like, I just wish that like people would like, I don't know, like it's, 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 it's for me, like as a, as a survivor of sexual violence, like it's extremely upsetting like to watch, but like, imagine if people actually took the time to like do research and like come up with their own like idea because it mm-hmm. dismissing like this, that like, I think people like kind of lost the plot of where like this, like woman literally wrote this game. It's an incredibly like ri- like rich, like in-depth like well-written game. Sure. It's like campy as fuck, but um, I thought it was, it was pretty fucking important for the time. Especially since like women in games is not really like, was not really like a thing. And so the fact that people were like, oh, let me just say fuck it to the entire game because of that, because of not like just like, I don't know, well, I, I guess you can't say even like doing a Google because did we have Google in the 90s?
0: No, we didn't. <laughs> like Google was like okay, found. Okay, so,
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Do you like know why Google was invented? Like, do you know the like the story behind that? No. All right. The reason that like Google is Google is because the engineers who were designing it wanted it to be easier to look up pictures of Jennifer Lopez's Grammy awards dress from 2000.
1: Oh, okay. So
0: they're like, let's make a search engine so we could make it easier for people to Google such things as Jennifer Lopez, Grammys 2000 dress.
1: Wow. Okay. Interesting. Interesting.
0: You know, weird misogyny thing, you know?
1: Yeah. That is so fucking weird.
0: Yeah. But like, sorry, that's, 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 that's a total derailment. Continue your, your thing. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I the there are a lot of if like you, if you're really bored on like a fucking Tuesday, you can go through the Wikipedia rabbit hole of every time like Congress or like some like bored politician tried to like get video games banned, and it's usually for much less offensive stuff too. Like there's like there's too many like pews in this game, and you know, it's it's ruining our children.
0: Right, and that, like the, the strangest thing about this is again, it's violence inflicted on the player versus like the player inflicting. Mm-hmm. It's a completely different Mm -hmm. thing. And like we can talk about the efficacy or the the sensitivity of how they portray these things in like the specific game. Mm -hmm. But that alone like reframes the entire conversation around like number one, video games are capable of doing because you know, like you said, like at at the at the time, the perception of video games was like they were a children's toy. And Mm -hmm. we are like the 90s is like really like when these like early conversations like, could this, is this an art form? Uh, Roberta Williams herself just gave like a really, really illuminating interview on Game Grumps of all places, uh, talking about, yeah, because she is coming back into the gaming industry to do a remake of the game that inspired her to get into video games in the first place, which is Colossal Cave Adventure. So she's returning to the video game industry for the first time since, like, I guess, technically 1999. There's like a period where she sort of came out of retirement, but she was talking about the Colossal Cave adventure thing and like also talking about Phantasmagoria and the creation behind that. And she said like the conversation we were having at the time was, can a computer make you cry? And she said like during the King's Quest IV, there's like this really emotional moment that really resonated with players. And like that sort of like concluded the idea of, like, yes, a computer can make you cry, which is like a very poetic, but also like simplistic, but also poetic way of approaching the question of like, are video games in art form? Mm-hmm with phantasmagoria like she said like my next question was like can a computer make you scared
2: Mm -hmm.
0: so it's like yeah this is also a conversation about art and again we can talk about like how successful this game does is at a lot of things and we will talk about like the good and the bad and the ugly of it all but it's just like this specific thing and the controversy around it and like it's the perception of this being a dangerous thing because again, we did not have a rating system back then. We did not have anything that would like because mm-hmm. rating systems saying something TV's TVMA, something's rated R. Those are mm-hmm. the culturally accepted versions of trigger warnings, right? Upsetting content that you may not want certain viewers to see at your own discretion. Viewer discretion advised. These literally what a trigger warning is. Um, mm-hmm. Content warnings, right? Content mm-hmm. warning would be a better way of saying it. And that, that's the controversy. I agree that like people should have an idea of what they're getting into when they play a game, but also just the idea that this was like something that was promoting a certain thing within the mind of a child is just a completely bad faith interpretation of that. Mm-hmm. It w- that it, that would never fly today because now we we know so much more about what things can do.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, do you have anything else you want to speak to regarding this specific content matter? Hey,
1: no, I think, you, I think you said it all. and You said it all very well.
0: Thank you. Again, thank you for being on the show. Um, but yeah, so there's that part, right? The game becomes like a big controversial thing. And the entire time Roberta Williams is like taking it like a champ. Because like the game on its own, it's like, oh, this is upsetting content. But like Williams seemed to like do really well in like the press of it and was able to like have her discuss these games when it comes up in like news segments or like in public Discourses, because like she was like making the argument like we don't have these conversations around movies when they do these kinds of things, but what, what makes a video mm-hmm. game any different? These are literally actors doing these things. Mm-hmm. um But of course, like again, like flattened nuance of discourse, which has never gone away and never will go away. Like fucking real life demons. Senator Mitch McConnell even went so far as to suggest that like Phantasmagoria was why people were doing school shootings. Like what a fucking yep. evil man who has. Probably done more Uh, to inspire school shootings.
2: Damn.
0: It's true. It's true. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Anyway, but so there's a censorship thing, right? Banned in some countries, the whole like controversy, like we need to give video games ratings as this is this thing emerging at the time. It's interesting to talk about the game's availability in this way because this is sort of like a whole conversation like, who is responsible for making games like this available? Like, retailers making Mm -hmm. the choices to stock or not stock these games. And this is an era, like you said, like Google isn't a thing, downloading a video game and having the storage capacity to download a full video game, much less one on seven discs, not physically possible. So you have to buy this game in a store.
1: I I just thought of you wouldn't download a car, would you?
0: (laughs) You wouldn't Um, download uh... (laughs) (laughs) *Phantasmagoria*.
1: that That's an image that's burned into my brain forever.
0: So, like, this is, like, one thing, right? Like, the whole, like, physical availability of something, how something is stored. And then it gets more interesting in the context of modern gaming distribution now, because in February of 2010, the game was available to be purchased digitally for the first time on GOG or GOG. I am not a pronunciation police. I'm not a I'm not a pronunciation Puritan. If you say GOG, if you say GOG, I don't give a shit. If you say GIF, if you say GIF, I have better things to do with my time, guys. Um... It was made available on Steam in September 2016. Uh, You can typically buy the game for $9.99 on these sites, but it is also pretty regularly on sale. Uh, This version of the game runs on an MS-DOS emulator called DOSBox. So basically what you're doing is you're downloading a game and also the emulator, and then the emulation turns on, and then it runs the game. Uh, I purchased the Steam version of this game because I wanted to speak to the specific experience of buying the game and playing that version of the game that is commercially available. Have you played? I know you watch the playthroughs. Do you own a digital version of this game?
1: I did play it on Steam. I downloaded it on Steam when I was in grad school, when we had to develop, when we had to get Steam for that class I took. Mm -hmm. So maybe in like 2017 or 2018, I had it on my laptop. And then I had to take Steam off my laptop because my laptop that I had at the time was like, ha ha, this is so much storage. (laughs) So, so I had it. Digitally. Yeah, I don't have more. But did
0: did you yeah. remember playing it, or did you get to play it?
1: Y- y- yes, I did play it.
0: Did you remember having like any like resolution issues or anything like that, like visual fidelity problems?
1: With with the tiny Mac, with the, the tiny screen Max, you have resolution issues like no matter fucking what. Like 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 Zoom, for example, like hates the small Max. It doesn't let you do a blurred background and stuff. So yes, I had resolution issues with like pretty much almost every game though that I got off of Steam.
0: Fair, an interesting experience. My my monitor, which is normal,
1: um, <laughs> good for you,
0: did not like it. It was like ah, why 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 are you making me play this old ass game, Dad? Fuck! And you had to do a you had to do a lot of manual changes to make the game not visually incomprehensible.
1: Yeah, it looked weird. It looked weird on my. It looked really weird on my little laptop.
0: Yeah, they have like scan lines when it plays the FMV moments, and you have to like yes, yes because monitors are different now
2: <laughs>
0: they changed them and i had to go in and like make some actual manual changes to the game's resolution there's some in-game settings you can change around and then there's also stuff i had to like close the game open up my game's local files mess with those things to like also like mm-hmm. improve like some elemental features like if i clicked on an item to look at it it would spin around way too fast
1: yeah. yes yes
0: yeah so it's very easy to make these changes, and there's a great community guide on Steam that breaks it down by a username, Suicide Machine. So if you, need, if you buy the game, own the game, and are like, what the fuck? This looks weird. Yes, and the game is supposed to look weird, but not like that. Yeah. So definitely like look up that community guide on Steam if you don't know how to change those settings yourself, because the resolution and the visual fidelity is like the thing. It's a narrative video game.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And the, the whole availability of this game is weird. Uh, For a lot of reasons. As of the time of this recording, it's also available on the American Digital Library Service, the Internet Archive, one of the most Uh important websites on the Internet, if not the most. I actually had to use the Wayback Machine while taking notes for this episode to pull up a 2011 article from The Escapist that no longer exists if you guys just go on to The Escapist. But we're not here to talk about archival (laughs) ability of the Internet. (laughs) We're here to talk about this game's availability. And like I said, I usually rate these games on an A, to arg but it's weird to rate this game because of how pc gaming has transformed since this game's released Mm -hmm. like just the conversation you and i had now you are using Mm -hmm. a mac that screams at you when you do anything i have Mm -hmm. a ostensibly normal monitor but a custom-built pc you have a disc drive that doesn't play some video game discs i don't have a disc drive in the built pc at all PC is literally a personal computer at this stage in time, this like ignoring the fact that like most computers are luxury products and are extremely expensive, especially if you want to do anything that isn't a Word document, like a Chromebook beyond anything beyond like what a Chromebook can do. Mm -hmm. There's just so many variables and factors that make the conversation around computer game availability so weird downloading something is as close to a universal experience that we have and they don't have a motivation to release physical pc games for even brand new video games anymore because there's no standardization for what a computer disc is now if you buy a pc game at the store you open it up as a steam code which is doubly problematic because of the whole conversation about like drm and like who actually owns the rights to the video game when you download it on your computer do you or does steam own it there's a million factors that An academic could break down a lot better than me. So I'm just going to say like, shit's weird. Things are worse and bleak in a lot of ways and just confusing and weird and different in another. I don't know what the solution is when something where Like if you buy a PS5 game, it's like PS5 disc, PS5 game. Yay. But Mm -hmm. now with like a computer, like every computer is different. There's millions of different types of computers and variations of it that you just cannot account for them all. So the whole conversation around availability is like, best I can do is download, buddy. I'm sorry.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So yeah, on a scale of A to R, it's an, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I wish it was more available, but they don't do things like that anymore.
1: <sighs> the second one, probably because the second one came out many a year later. is It came out the next year. Fantastic really
0: 1995 1996
1: no fucking way why mm-hmm. is it so much better quality um they learned I, have, I had no issue I had no issues with the download and for that and like no issues with the resolution or anything for that which I thought was really interesting
0: that's so interesting because they dropped on steam on the same day so like whatever yeah I don't know I haven't mm-hmm. played the second one I can't speak to the second one that's a, a puzzle of the flesh or whatever it's called Mm-hmm. yeah
1: mm-hmm. I think that one's great we can get into that later
0: yeah we will um yeah, it's just it's just so weird. And I think that this game is so important to preserve because it is such like a historical mm-hmm. artifact beyond like the quality of the game itself. Like whatever you think of it, I think this is such an important game in like the the discourse of the time, the conversations we were having around video games the changing perception of video games at the time and also what this game is doing just simply not being a thing that games do anymore. So I'm glad you can mm-hmm. buy and purchase this game. I'm super grateful that the Internet Archive has preserved it in the digital sphere in some capacity for the time being as long as that's up but whatever we're doing to archive games like this we got to do more Mm -hmm. moving on like many cult horror films phantasmagoria received mixed reviews at the time it was a huge financial success huge financial success it was a huge gamble that paid off in spades and it has a cult following to this day it holds a 62 out of 100 on the review aggregation website metacritic but We're not here to reduce the legacy of Phantasmagoria to review scores, accolades, or whatever Mitch McConnell thinks. Fuck him. We're here to talk about what this game means to somebody who played it. So let's get into it, Lauren. Do you miss getting kicked in the face
1: at Warped Tour? Did you shatter your glasses in a mosh pit in 2007? Did you wear more studded belts than a Final Fantasy character? Then we have the show for you. We are So Emo I Fell Apart, a podcast about third wave emo, late night live journal updates, burnt hair, and everything in between. Join us every second Saturday as we examine major moments in the history of emo and keep you updated on current events. Because it was never a phase.
0: What do you like about Phantasmagoria that you wish more video games would do?
1: i it's really it's funny because like my favorite thing about it is is the campiness and and but like beyond that it's just so unapologetic like it's very self-aware it knows what it is it knows what it's doing and it really doesn't care about how the player reacts to what it's doing Mm -hmm. The, the 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 magician's name is Zoltan for, fuck, for fuck's sake like mm-hmm. like they could have like they they just went for it they were like we're going to this he's going to have a basic ass name he's going to look like a ridiculously evil magician and we're not even going to try to like maybe um make him make him look a little bit less cliche the the wifey is going to have one outfit and you're just gonna get hit with random bouts of like really like horribly like definitely Clive Barker Hellraiser inspired like gore, and we don't care how you feel about that. You just have to sit there and click your mouse and call it a day. Like we don't give a fuck. And um, I kind of love that. I kind of love that. They, like it's it's very like this is what we're doing, and uh, you just kind of have to deal with it.
0: No, that's ve- that's no, very interesting perspective that. on yeah. it. No. That's a great perspective. It's very interesting how you address like sort of the we're doing what we want aspect of it because I, I I definitely see that perspective now that you bring it up. And there is definitely like that creator ambition of like, I want to do whatever I want here. Like this mm-hmm. feels like somebody feeling creatively liberated in a way where, you know, in the case of Roberta Williams was like doing fantasy for over a decade at this point and finally got to do a horror thing and really went all out and did so much. And spared no expense at it, so I definitely like understand that uh, perspective.
1: I I think to me the game is 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 like it's like poetry. Like I poetry is very self indulgent. You could go as far as to call it masturbatory if you really wanted to. And mm-hmm. like I, but that's like my favorite thing about it. I love when I'm reading someone's poetry, and I feel like I'm almost like invading their privacy in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like this game is very much like this woman had these like fucked up like super fucking sick ideas and and i'm like sitting here being like holy fucking shit like i wonder how long she like thought this particular type of death was cool i wonder what movie she watched and she wrote this down like cool like i feel like you get very into like the brain of the creator while you're playing this maybe not your first time playing it maybe something you'd notice on your second time around but um i just like it just feels like someone's like ultimate like passion project fantasy type thing. And like that's also what I really like about it. Especially like as an adult thing and again.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I definitely feel that. Like especially like you just spoke a while ago about like an indie creator not being able to complete their passion project and like do a third mm-hmm. Alice game. This is a a project where this is basically everybody around Roberta going like this is getting really expensive. We're we we said we we're gonna make shorter more compact, cheaper games, and here you are b- mm-hmm. having a studio built so we can realize this really controversial, uh, macabre vision of yours, and it pulled through because it seemed like Roberta knew like what was going to hit, and it was like a, such a unique and specific uh, type of thing in the video game sphere at the time. Even though like people say, and I I, I tend to agree in term in a pure narrative level, like the beats are all mm-hmm. familiar, like you said, like the Zoltan... <laughs> Uh, Zoltan mm-hmm. Locarno. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but like there's just like so interesting in the presentation of it. Like the way it dates itself is it kind of makes it more artistic in its own way. Because since the people are real in this space, the, the mm-hmm. artifice of everything else feels so uncanny in a way that like mm-hmm. drives mm-hmm. the horror home in a weird way. Because like while this is all familiar and while it is very funny to see the car's proportions in the parking area not mm-hmm. fit the rest of the, the dimensions of everything else so it feels yes. like it's not scaled properly. As goofy as that stuff is, there's also an uncanniness that is unsettling for parts of it, especially in the interiors of the house.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I appreciate it. I think it's effective in ways that maybe it did or did not anticipate for as it would age through the years.
1: It's all very disorienting. Yeah. And I feel like looking back at it, I'm like, oh yeah, that's probably like super on purpose because like nothing makes sense as you're kind of going through the game, especially in the in like the greenhouse. I don't know why it's like the scariest like room we enter for some reason for me. Like I hate that.
0: It's like claustrophobia next to openness. It feels like you are imprisoning yourself by going into the greenhouse because like you just like walk through a field and then you're immediately Mm bear witness to one of like the, the most disturbing kills to me just because of like the cruelty of it after you, you already got the kill man mm-hmm. making her eat dirt. Mm-hmm. It's a weird one. I, I agree with you. It's, it's a very uncomfortable environment.
1: Still not the worst death though. Uh,
0: what do you think the worst death?
1: The worst death isn't, it isn't even like the head twisting off for me. It's, it's the, it's the being force fed organs.
0: Yeah, I would. Yeah. I think that maybe just because it's the most explicit and drawn out death.
1: But that's the gif that I saw on someone's MySpace. Mm hmm. It was literally just like her, the squirmingness of ugh. yeah. And that, has stuck, that has stuck with me for 17 years.
0: It's so drawn out. And like, I mean, I understand like his whole thing is like, I'm going to kill you in a way that I perceive you to be like your ultimate flaw. Like, mm-hmm. and it's cruel. It's obviously all cruel, especially as like you, you like plants too much. Like it's clearly like all of his like hatred for his wives is like irrational. Mm-hmm. That's not that's not a legit like and like none of it is but like the force feeding thing is just so drawn out and
1: it's the longest death I think
0: yeah but he's also doing bits right? at the same time yeah I think it might be
1: <laughs> don't call it that
0: he's th- because I mean yeah because he's feeding her bits but also like uh Ugh. he's making jokes Ugh. he's he's making jokes the I know time he's doing it
1: because he's a magician he's a performer
0: Ooh, yeah
1: yeah
0: <laughs> what a, what a creep. I don't. I. I'll say this. I'm going to be brave. This Zoltan guy, I don't like him. I don't trust him. His
1: name is. They literally only call him Carno in the whole game.
0: Yeah. Sorry, Carno. Yeah, (laughs) Carno. Thank you. Yeah.
1: But then, like, but then, like, I've seen some, like, some Reddit threads where people have, like, speculated that, like carno like possessing like adrian's husband is like a metaphor for just like domestic violence like the whole game is a metaphor for domestic violence i don't agree with that mm-hmm. I think that's one way you could look at it i mean i hated don from like the moment we clicky and there's a screen and don's like here we are in the house like
0: don is so funny to me because in a weird way <laughs> he is both the best and worst part of this game mm-hmm. he, he looks like a tim heidecker character
2: it acts like <laughs> tim heidecker
0: like he's doing everything like tim Heidegger. then i think that's this is tim and eric's horror house as a video game and i think that's like that's the appeal to me is like it is camp because you know like whether intentional or unintentional Mm -hmm. it 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 plays like this and it it like becomes its own transformative thing like a sleepaway camp would but because like he is playing it in a way that he's coolly having fun, even if like the acting is awkward because of the acting circumstances that they were put under. Mm-hmm. Having to act on a blue screen with like no real props or space to work with. He, he's he's doing the delightful thing of just like leaning into it in a very stupid, funny way.
1: So that's what makes the rave scene so much more fucked up because he's so fucking doofy the entire game. And now suddenly he's like, not just comically like vi- like like evil. Like now he's like for reals use evil, and like I feel like that scene and because for me like playing it again as an adult because he's like so dopey that scene kind of took me out of the game a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I was like, I don't I was I was like, where does that actually fit in? Like, where do we actually like need that? Mm-hmm. But like, but I've seen interviews where Roberta has talked about why she felt like the game needed it. But playing it again as, like, an adult, I'm like, it just, like, it'd be one thing if he was, like, if, like, the evil, like, the evil's supposed to, like, increase, like, he's possessed, he's supposed to get increasingly worse throughout the game. I think he gets increasingly, like, dopier, and then, boom, that happens. Um, mm-hmm. And then in our, our like, final scene, and then with the with his, like, with the SFX of his, like, of, like, the fake eyeball and him being, like, grr with the wig on is, like... <laughs> then I'm laughing again, even though I'm
0: not supposed to be. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think yeah. the big thing is like, I, I respect Roberta Williams, like ambition. Mm-hmm. I, I get that. That doesn't necessarily mean I have to agree with all the choices that she made. And I, mm-hmm. I, I, I am on the same page with you about the depiction of that scene, because like she's described as like, Oh, this is the turning point, And like, this is like mm-hmm. to emphasize the seriousness of this, but it's not really reckoned with, the moment isn't reckoned with. It's it happens, and then you are you're back into controlling the character, and she's in that stoic position of like, all right, all right. it's
2: uh-huh.
0: you don't reckon with it. And people can have their individual opinions on how they feel about all this and what meaning that they can derive from it. You talked earlier about the depiction of like a metaphor for domestic abuse or whatever, and I can uh-huh. see that, but I think that's sort of like because I kept thinking about Twin Peaks. Throughout this game, mm-hmm. right, and Roberta Williams specifically cited Stephen King and Tim Burton, and I mean, not the, the art designer said Tim Burton. Roberta Williams said Edgar Allan Poe and Stephen King. Uh, I mm-hmm. I saw a lot of Twin Peaks, whether intentional mm-hmm. or not, and it was in vogue at the time. Like it, that is a series that does deal with like domesticity and abuse and violence and generational violence through demons and haunted spaces and things like that. So I understand if somebody were like looking at it, like through this way, which then this is also as demons possessing somebody that makes the husband violent, making the same conclusion, but number one execution. And number two, like I'm really only, only if I like, only if I specifically draw the parallel to twin peaks with the, the spirit of Bob and the, the demon that possessed Zoltan and uh, sorry, Carno and Don. Do I really? <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Wait, right. Wait. Yeah. You know, you're right. It's very Lynch. It it is very Lynchian in a lot
0: of ways. Yeah. Like I, I sort of see like the whole game is like a version of like what the red room is where it's like a facsimile of a reality where it has like familiar objects but it's all ill-fitting and uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. In that sense I get Lynchian vibes, but I don't necessarily think it is evoking Lynch as intentionally as maybe some people may be interpreting it to be. As much as I see a big yeah. red room and think that's the red room.
1: Yeah. <laughs> for me like the gore is just so hellraiser especially like the the stuff that happens to skin um throughout the game which is like i feel like like the like the acid thing but also like the in the face pulling apart and like the head twisting around like very very hellraiser to me i like i don't get Edgar Allan poe vibes here like (sighs) and maybe in the story like a maybe a tiny little bit like but like that's another thing. Like I like sat like thinking the other day about like influences on this game. And other than that, like obviously like there's a, like a slasher element, like Adrian's our final girl. Technically it feels like something was plucked from everywhere. Kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it doesn't feel very like Stephen King to me.
0: It's, it's pretty slapdash. I see Stephen King in the sense of like, I mean a lot of it, Stephen it's King haunted, is it's a
1: haunted ass house.
0: Yeah. I mean like the, everything about like Stephen King's themes come back to like
1: Mm-hmm.
0: light versus darkness and how mm-hmm. the personification of both manifest in people. And this is very much a game where like possession is happening. Like you can like see like with um the shining specifically, like it is a haunted fucking house and the protagonists mm-hmm. are like walking around and bearing witness to it. And while it's a lot more thematically right. resonant and intentional and communicating something to you, whereas this is sort of like, and then here's a fun house mirror violent death of a woman, and here's another fun house mirror violent depiction of a woman. And here, guess what? Guess what? It's another woman <laughs> getting killed. Whereas, like, you're getting seeing bears getting mm-hmm. sucked off in the shining.
1: Was that, was that the first instance of furries?
0: The first, no, I mean, like, they've had centaurs <laughs> forever,
1: <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean, like, someone Mr. Thomas, in like an animal I don't know. Suit. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> anyway, the, the the fact that the game does like this whole like parallel this deep parallel thing where it's like, okay, so how does how does Carnot die? He's like horribly disfigured in his face and like burned or whatever the fuck. And then how does Adrian kill her husband by throwing acid on his face and then disfiguring him or whatever? And I and I remember I was thinking about that recently and I was just kind of like So we get this big important parallel. but what is well why what, are, what is the significance? Like, what do we need that? Do we need it? I like
0: it. I mean, yeah, I do like <laughs> it. If you want to like take an artistic interpretation of it, you can sort of see it as like a patriarchal look at like how the patterns of male socialized behavior have never gone reckoned with. And we continue to make the same mistakes generation after generation. And it's just a self perpetuating cycle. If you just want to take the, 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 the simple approach, it's like, that demon possessed that man, and it this, and it this happened to him, mm-hmm. and then the same thing happened again because it's the same demon. Whatever you want to take away <sighs> from it, art stops being about what the creator meant to do the second they make it. The second a second person watches something, artistic intention is out the window. And there's only interpretation. So I guess you can just take away whatever you want to from the parallels.
1: What do you think is the is the a campi- campiest cutaway scene and b the worst death? Uh,
0: the campiest. Mm-hmm. Um. Again, I think like Don is like sort of the king of this. Um, there's a line <laughs> reading that's like really like indulgent, and it's like, ooh, that's a little, that's a little scaly, but it's also like super fucking campy, and it's impossible to take serious. And it's like,
2: <sighs> a woman's body is a wonderful thing, but the head is useless. Ah!
1: Oh yeah, yeah, you're Yeah, uh, yeah. I'd put that up there. Everything he's, everything he says. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. That's just the quote that like that sticks it with me in my head the most. Is like yeah. him saying that. Like some, like someone was really proud for writing that one down.
2: <laughs>
0: but uh, the scariest death, I think I'm gonna lean towards the the, the potted plant lady one, just because of like it does lean into the force feeding thing because he puts dirt in her mouth and suffocates her to death while. And again, like the cramped space in the in the green room again, like the idea that like you could run away into an open field and save yourself or have a better fighting chance. But instead you're in this cramped environment, this space that you cultivated out of love for a certain thing and a man invades it and destroys it and destroys you in it. It's evocative imagery.
1: How do we feel about... The whole, like, uh, God, what is his saying? Like, his last wife, like, conspires, like, with her lover. And, like, that's how, like, Carno gets, like, killed or whatever. Like, how do we feel about that whole thing? The, the,
0: the, the death is so comical that I kind of love it.
1: <laughs>
0: like, if you're talking about, uh, you talked about fucking Jigsaw earlier. Like, that's some just fucking Saw shit right there. Mm-hmm. The fact that he got his head bashed in and also he was set on fire and he lived a little bit.
1: <laughs> a little bit.
0: he's like i i got i got got an errand to run hold on Uh, uh." he
1: has time to behead her and then there's like what well i guess i'm gonna die now
0: (laughs) one Um, last rep
1: oh my god and then what's his name malcolm is that his name who's like adrian it's fine there's a there's a ritual you can do to like free the ghosties from the house um and you think why didn't she just do it immediately when that guy told her about the thing that could free the ghosties.
0: Cause it's a video game and you have to do it. I don't ah. know. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to talk about the pacing of this thing, we can go right into the complaint yep. section because I feel like this is a weird game to talk about <laughs> when the traditional structure of the show, cause we've, we've already yeah. basically broken. This is such, like I said, this is such a weird game. I had to
2: uh-huh.
0: talk about censorship and violence in the middle of uh, my no country for All game section. So I'm just going to say, We're going to just like make this a general discussion without worrying about like what's the flaws, what's the good stuff. Let's organize that because I think what is good and bad about this game are just so inextricably linked to each other.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Yeah, the pacing's a problem. And the biggest issue I have with the game on an interactive level is like, and this, I understand that Roberta Williams wanted to make the game easy, but Mm -hmm. she made it poo poo easy where it's just like. She's like, like the puzzles in this game are like, yeah. Me finding my keys is a puzzle. Like that's the same kind yeah. of puzzle <laughs> that it
1: is. Yeah, but I see. I liked that. I think as a kid, I think playing it. I think I was excited every time I like clicked a thing and the thing and the thing and the thing, and then I was like, oh, cutscene. Um, because that's that's yeah, that's really like kind of the pacing of that. Um, yeah,
0: like I think I would there, love yeah. i agree with you in the sense where it's like that is the you got the intended reaction out of doing that it's just like and i'm glad you got it because again this is a whole game that was designed for people who don't play a lot of video games to be able to enjoy and experience the narrative and it's just it's funny because i love these kinds of things like phoenix right is full of these moments where it's like i feel so smart because i solved a a brain puzzle even though the game gave me all the resources to solve the puzzle it's just so funny The, the worst example of like what this game considers a puzzle is like uh in the f- i think it's chapter four when you finally are able to go to the other side of the the yard or like the rest of the rest of the property and you go into the field and you see a lens on the ground and you're like huh a lens wonder what this goes to a lens. and then two screens later you see a telescope that's missing a lens and you're like
1: yeah yippee
0: <laughs> i did it <laughs>
1: No, I'm like looking at like I have screenshots like from the game like saved to my phone, mm-hmm. and I just love that you click and drag the objects to like a fucking blinking eye like look like, ooh spooky, yeah. Like I like I when I was 13, that was like the greatest fucking thing to ever happen to me.
0: It's such like a good clean interface too if you want somebody to like play something for the first time because it's like here's the eye if you want to inspect something, here's the talking skull if you need a hint, and then here's your inventory. There you go. You can't mess this up.
1: And you can only hold, what is it, like, eight items at once, right?
0: Yeah, that never became a problem for me. I don't know if that is, depending on, like, how you play the game, because I know some stuff can be done out of sequence. Because I had an experience where I did at least one thing out of sequence because a thing that was referenced, like, I already knew somebody. When you have to go to Malcolm for the first time, that's when it happened. The game assumed that I'd already tried to, like, go to, like, Malcolm's house and the dog barked at me, even though I never went to that area of the map at any point in the game. Mm -hmm. but like she does say like i think i've seen this name in town somewhere so it's like okay let me go into town yeah and then you have to go left instead of straight and it was like oh i didn't go here but you said you did but all right cool
1: i just i also feel like the rest of like the whole game could just be adrian in the house with the husband like i don't i know we get like harriet and her like son the malcolm guy like i feel like do we really need any of those people also in the game?
0: I agree that basically every character beyond, like I I understand the significance of Malcolm, but Malcolm seems like such like a, all right, buddy, here's the plot to you character. And then.
1: No, like only I can tell you that there's a ritual you need to do to make the demon go bye-bye. You kind of found that out on your own. Yeah.
0: I was waiting for like the, the groundskeeper family to have any bearing on the actual events. And it just mm-hmm. never happened besides like she is a a woman who knows tarot and like is another person warning you about what's happening. But it's like, okay, weird that you say that, but you also live here and you could just be like, Why is none of this spooky stuff just happening to you? Why do you need to look at a card to know that something weird's happening?
1: <laughs> yes. And then like, ow. And then everything is like, yeah, like they all gonna die in the end. And you're like, cause Don killed them, right? Yeah. And you're like, oh no, like I didn't see that coming literally
0: at all yeah you do (laughs) the other thing is like the way i played the game Mm -hmm. i never got to find their bodies i found out after i beat the game where their bodies are
1: oh interesting
0: yeah i really enjoy i think the best stuff of the game is the last chapter and i'll get to that in a second but i think like the strengths of it are also the weaknesses of it because again Mm -hmm. inextricably linked Uh, the other thing I, i just do not like the the whole like it's literally just the of mice and men like mentally disabled big burly man thing happening there but like it's done so Mm -hmm. broadly it has no sensitivity to it that i just i -hmm. don't it's just that's ableism to me i I, like that's the part of the thing that keeps me from like giving it so many like good faith interpretations of like domestic (laughs) abuse and stuff
1: yeah I agree because a lot and hard did that for a while, like like pick like a like a disfigured or disabled person to like be like this like like to add to like the scary element, mm-hmm. and like that's like always upset me. Even like even like as a kid who like didn't really even realize like what I was watching and like other stuff like that's always upset me. And like and the fact that this was the '90s and they were still just like let's put this like like cartoonishly like disabled character for like extra scary in this horror game is like really like fucking really like, i think like, that's
0: the i think my disconnect might be just straight up like it like and again like if it was done for a horror mm-hmm. value it would be
2: mm-hmm. bad
0: in a different way but i think my issue with it is like yeah. it is he's a comedic a comic relief character in a horror game yeah. on top so on top of him yeah. doing like the whole like you know disabled person like shtick all the all the all the
2: mm-hmm.
0: things you associate with that kind of like broad comedy thing but also in a story that is a horror game like
2: Mm -hmm.
0: i've never seen that kind of thing happen like where you're doing like a trite comedy thing in the middle of a horror movie thing that's just not playing at all
1: i agree yeah wait is that i'm not looking at little screenshots what is that mike is that the name of the character
0: cyrus is the name
1: cyrus is one okay I yeah, when you th- I didn't think about it like that. That it's supposed to be like a comedic thing. I thought like it's like what other horrors on where they literally put like a like a disabled person in there to like add to like the element of like boo, which is like if both are fucked up.
0: Yeah, I mean, like it so. could it could have been attempted at both, but like every yeah. moment that we have with them, it's like okay, the mom, the old woman is supposed to be like a comic relief character, like she's literally screaming mm-hmm. like seymour's mother and the simpsons when she's dangling her legs because she got trapped falling through like some shit wood
1: only you would make would make that reference and then also say shit wood from i think you (laughs) should leave in the same sentence only you would do that
0: i'm from the internet everything is simpsons or i think you should leave thank you very much
2: oh come on you gotta help mom help help me oh god seymour the house is on fire.
0: No, mother. It's just the northern lights.
3: Help!
0: Help! But like, she's just screaming, help, help. And like all like, all of her responses is like sassy old woman or like dim-witted old woman stuff. It's, you could do without those characters and you'd lose nothing. But like you need two more dead bodies to find, I guess.
1: I will say I'm glad that that because I have two babies, two cat babies you have free cat babies i'm glad that we just know that the cat is dead and like we see it kind of but we don't see like what actually happened to it like i'm glad that that's like a especially because horror used to fucking love she'll be like this is so shocking we're gonna kill a dog like are you shocked and so i'm really glad and that's something that still that still went through 90s slasher films so i'm glad that uh we didn't get we don't get that we just get we just know it's missing and then we see that it's dead and i'm like okay good great okay next
0: it's i think that's like a fortunate circumstance of them not being able to like figure out the blue screen stuff all the way because you're you working with live animals on a set mm-hmm. and it's like well mm-hmm. what do we do with it? Kill a killer cat what are we gonna we're not we're just not going to show it just skip it just show the cat dead you know at least it's not drawing it mm-hmm. out but there is also another like fucked up thing and this isn't a live animal it's like a prop but like it's a very bloody prop like i think that my most repulsed i ever actually was in this game was when cyrus is gutting a, a rabbit and it's just covered in blood and everything so
1: yeah i forgot Fuck, i forgot about that yeah Oh, fuck, you know what someone pointed out to me that, like lauren like literally as long as it's not a cat you literally ignore all the other animal violence in the movie And i was like no i don't and then i re- i watched talk to me and completely forgot about the kangaroo thing
3: <laughs> I so because i was to happy that so i was like, like what if the, there's a kangaroo oh,
1: <laughs> there's a kangaroo but there's a dog and you they tease the dog something happened to the dog the whole fucking time and i hate that but nothing happened to the dog so guess what you guys go out you can go watch talk to me because the dog's really cute and he's fine but then I forgot about the other part and I was like, God fucking damn it. What is with new and domesticated animals? Oh, a fun fact. The guy who played, so Marie is, is Carno's last wife, the guy who, and so her, so her lover, Gaston mm-hmm. played,
0: played,
1: played Donald Trump in a direct to DVD movie called Bad President in 2020. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so when i was like looking through screenshots of the game like and watching like playthroughs like in preparation for this episode i was like oh my god i'm never gonna get the image of him looking like donald trump out of my head for with no fault of roberta eye that took me out of the game
3: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: it's weird that it's that, that, that's the thing with FMV is like these are real people these are real actors these are it's weird it's so fucking weird
0: hmm no I'm 100% with you there. It's so strange. Um, like, again, I think the uncanniness is, like, such, like, an interesting aspect of the game that, like, works yeah. for me. Uh, like, a lot of, like, critics will, like, say, oh, it's dated. It's immediately dated. It makes it look ugly. It makes the... It juxtaposes any sort of realism it's attempting. And I think... And this has been, like, a sentiment that's been going around, like, stylistically bad CGI being better than just, like, mediocre CGI in mm-hmm. something.
1: Oh, absolutely. Like um Yeah.
0: Like the way that Mortal Kombat, the nineteen ninety-five movie, uses it or like something else to that like um I think somebody pointed to Spawn as an example of it, this nineties spawn movie. In this game, its ugliness and uncanniness as it's a positive to me.
1: Can we talk about the scene where um where Adrian um Goes into like Dawn's room and she like finds all like the photos and like her like head's like missing from all the photos.
0: Yeah, yeah, because that's that's the reason that like he says my favorite line in the game.
1: Yeah, I just love that we had to like. I just I don't know for some reason that's one of my favorite parts (laughs) of the game. I don't know why. Maybe it's because of the absurdity of it, like the overtness of it, of the like. Oh shit, he's definitely gonna kill her. He's gonna try (laughs) to kill her. Like, and if you didn't realize that already. We are showing you, like, the most overt metaphor we can possibly can. Like, mm-hmm. do you see this? Her head's not there, you guys. Do you get it? You get it? Because, because he beheaded the other guys. Do you get it? And, like, I fucking love that for some reason.
0: No, it's hilarious because of, like, it's not even, like, artistically represented well. Like, he's, like, a photographer and all his, like, his art project was just, like, I cut all the, like, just hanging them up. Not even, like, doing it in, like, a collage of any kind. He just, like, did it a bunch of times and it's on the wall. (laughs)
1: It reminds me of that like thing in horror movies where like like a kid like will draw like at first first they start drawing cute photos of like the stick figure of them and their parents and they start like taking the black crayon and drawing over their parents' faces. Yeah, that's
0: uh, that's kind of that. Yeah, I was thinking of um in a quiet place where he writes on a whiteboard. What is the weakness?
1: <laughs> at that, hey, at that whole thing made me cry my fucking eyes out. Okay.
0: I enjoyed seeing the movie. It's just very funny when you imagine him like risking the chance of like making a bunch of noise, putting a marker on a oh, whiteboard. Oh, because of because write... oh, of the
1: because of because of the squeakies. Oh my god! I never thought about that.
0: Yeah, I don't think the movie thought about a lot of things, but that's fine. It's like in, it, it was an enjoyable theatrical experience. I'm not gonna like bully a movie that's five years old.
1: <laughs> oh my god, you're right.
0: What is the weakness? Why did you need to write that down?
1: <laughs> oh my! So the audience could know how hard he was working. God damn it.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's um, <laughs> funny. Okay, it's funny, and it's it's the same thing with him cutting, so the audience can know that he wants to cut her head off.
1: Yeah, and like, and then we get the whole like, you know, the whole like very medieval, very like you know swinging axe thing, which is that also is that is that also a magician's trick?
0: I I've never seen a magician where the trick is like I hope my head doesn't get punched.
1: Out. Yeah. I, <laughs> Like, yeah, like, he does some things that are, like, very, like, unorthodox, pure.
0: Yeah, I don't think Harry Houdini has, like, a, here's an axe that'll slice my head fucking in half.
1: That man got murdered. That man died because of a punch to the gut. Yeah. Do you know that? Yeah. I think about about that a lot.
0: (laughs) I'm just imagining him doing, like, the family guy, like, (laughs) fucking Houdini dies. (laughs)
1: also like we also get like a there's like a because his name is zolan right and zoltan and then the little automated fortune teller thing is called zoltar i don't think that they thought about that when they put that all together
0: i want to talk about the just arrangement of everything in the house real quick because what the fuck like uh, let's talk about the feng shui of the phantasmagoria house real quick all right if you walk into this foyer over here there's fucking nothing and then in the corner you have like a little cozy (laughs) fireplace area a bar 50 fucking feet away and if you want to go and exit the house you got to walk past the fortune teller
1: right like it's yes and i realize that a lot of there being a lot of nothing in the house is like budget probably but when i because like when i just sit and i think about the game plan i think about the house i feel like you're in an empty fucking room and then she has a vision of what happened to the women and suddenly those are like set decorated like we went all out with these fucking effects or our plants in this fucking garden and they look alive uh and then we're back in the house and we're like this is your this is the master bedroom why <laughs> why this doesn't look like a master bedroom this looks like an airbnb
0: I don't even think that they took the best bedroom in the house in terms of, like, size and space of everything. And their bedroom is so funny, too, because of the the box TV in the corner of the room as far away from, like, as any sitting area as possible. <laughs>
1: right like it's weird it is it is very very weird but like also like i feel like maybe at the time in terms of like stuff like that like it wasn't as important i guess it's not like now where you would go back and you'd like be like oh my god i have to fucking detail the fuck out of that there's i feel like there being so much empty weird empty space in the game makes the game even even creepier though so I thought that was like an un- unintentional liminal space thing.
0: It's fun. Like, obviously, it's not trying to be realistic based on the everything that's happening there. They would have like just made <laughs> based,
1: <the> re- <laughs> based on the everything
0: <laughs> based on the fact that they don't have a single set in the entire game. I think they're like going for like, this isn't supposed to be like a normal environment. I get that. I just think it's really yeah. funny when you go into the nursery and there's only a crib in the corner and then a dresser. And then behind the door, a picture, a framed picture of a baby, just in case you didn't know this was a nursery a completely undecorated room, except for the framed picture of a baby.
1: (laughs) See, I I love that we are like so clearly like fed stuff, though. Like, I feel like that's part of also the game being like, listen, bitch, like, like we're doing whatever the fuck we want. And also like, like you might not have understood it's a fucking crib. So you're welcome. We spelled it out for you, like saying "yeah, same thing." Like with the with the with the pictures and like the heads being cut off. Like I just I like love that. I like I like sometimes I like being hit over the head with stuff, especially like in the context of a video game.
0: Would you live in the Phantasmagoria house?
1: Yes. Well, I'd have to get it cleansed. Like the first thing I did when I moved into this apartment was was get my little like stick of like my little bundle of like juniper and fucking cleanse the fuck out of this entire fucking house. (laughs) But like that's what I would do. (laughs)
0: So you're saying Adrian like skill issue here was like she didn't cleanse. She forgot to cleanse.
1: She literally, literally though, like she should have done the stupid ass ritual like the second like she heard about it. It's a little late in the game where we learn about that. But I don't think I don't think people were like super woo woo in the nineties. You know, where I was like, now, like, you can go on TikTok and the TikTokers be like, here's how to cleanse your apartment or your dorm room where you're not allowed to burn stuff. Here's how to make liquid safe so you can cleanse, like, your space. Like, it's not, it's not, I think back in the day it was like, oh, so wait, I don't think Charmed was out then yet. So, never mind. I was gonna say that she could have watched an episode of Charmed.
0: <laughs> Sabrina the Teenage Witch, <laughs> something. Um, yeah. A Buffy episode, maybe, something. <laughs> I
1: mean, I, oh my God, Buffy, it, oh, God.
0: That's I a, feel like that's the, another show
1: that's I think a good, that's actually like
0: a good go sorry I just think like I don't know like I think we just have a different relationship with woo woo shit depending on the decade like everybody was like really obsessed with you know hey baby what's your sign like that's what people like do as shorthand for the 70s like it was always there it's just like uh-huh. a different now we just like made True. it as like part of the rotten influencer culture.
1: Yeah, like, what's your big three? And then if a guy knows his big three, he's ran through. Do you think Don knew his big three?
0: <laughs> I don't think Don knows anything that isn't picture. We never got, like, a good sense of who he was. The only thing he tried to that's do was fix true. a dream.
1: Like, and that's the thing. We're supposed to at the very beginning, like, it's all implied. Like, it's all very idyllic. And it's he's a loving and supportive, like, a wonderful man. he just wants her to really, like, you know, like, write her novel, blah, blah. blah. And then he's like, boom, evil. Like, I feel like if we had gotten a little bit more of him, we the him being evil would have been scalier. But instead it was like this man had nothing occupying his brain anyway. So that's prime time for a demon to chill the fuck out in there.
0: Look at this real estate. I can live rent-free in this guy's head. Um <laughs> No, it's it's funny because I read about this and the it came down to like roberta williams wanted more scenes showing that don was like a really good husband but it mm-hmm. was like not conducive to gameplay was basically yeah the the uh, conclusion that they came which is so funny we need to make this guy a piece of shit as soon as possible in service of the <laughs> gameplay uh which i mean yeah. this game's already like paced to fuck in terms of like like two of the chapters are like just running errands <laughs> um
1: yeah i just th- that's funny it's not conducive to game that's funny to I mean, Cause I, but, like, I, I guess, like, with the resources they had and the budget they had and the yeah. fact that it was already going over budget and blah, blah, like, I understand. But I feel like, like, you know, as much as, like, the concept of video game remakes is very controversial, as at least that's what I see when I'm looking at our articles and seeing people in the comments, like, uh, yelling. <laughs> um, but, like, I would love a remake of Phantasmagoria with, like, a giant fucking budget. I just love the premise like I love the premise and I love the gore and I would love to just see what it would look like in a different less pixelated scale you know what I mean.
0: I I, I understand that like I I understand the desire to want something new Mm. out of it but I think as is is like why I like the things I enjoy it's 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 a complicated I understand like you see the potential but you also see what it is and you like what it is but you want. 'Cause this is a three this is a six ga- hour game to play. It takes you like maybe six, six and a half hours to beat this game. It's like a three hour game at most. It has like maybe three hours worth of shit to say. Yeah, that is that's very
1: true. But um I don't know. I see I love as much as like I love I think I love the idea of remakes and I think I hate when they come out. So I yeah. think I'm one of those.
0: Yeah. I yeah. it's hard to make a movie. It is hard to make a movie.
1: What about a remaster? <laughs>
0: I would like it in good resolution. Yes. I would like, I would
1: like, I would like, yes, I would like the FMV with less little screeny liney thingies. Yeah. I don't think there's any like, like remaster or like re-envisioning that can make Don like less stupid and useless. Um, (laughs) but we need him for the plot. He's like, we need him for the parallel and for the whole, he's, he's technically like the most important part of the game when you really think about it, but he doesn't do anything. Until like the until the last five seconds,
0: he's in the dark room for like the vast majority of the game. Like he only stop, yeah. pops up to do like some horrible depraved thing, and then it's like, okay, bye.
1: Yeah, and like, like she literally doesn't. We don't. We don't get. I mean, it's also like a fucking nineties. It's not like The Last of Us, where we where like a terrible thing happens, and then we get to watch the we should play the character as they process it. There is no processing after that terrible scene. It's literally just like, well, time to click stuff again.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: I think that's what makes it that much more devastating is that like it's not like we think about it again later like or the or the game doesn't think about it again.
0: Yeah, like it's interesting how the like the she waited so long to make a game like this because of the technology, mm-hmm. you know, not being mm-hmm. there. And it's interesting because like in a lot of ways the technology still wasn't there in terms of like what is a video game direction like. And the thing I keep fixating on is this game came out the year before Resident Evil came out. And then that game mm, became okay. the template for all survival horror for the next forever, basically. The things that like, are like me pointing at things and rotating things and solving puzzle things, that's all in Resident Evil, but it is just executed better. And like the ways that you're limited, the ways that you like, can't shoot well because of the tank controls and everything like that, and you having to navigate through these cramped, claustrophobic environments you know, Resident Evil does all of the things like this game does on like a presentation level better, but it is so fascinating playing this game because it's like it's doing a lot of the stuff that Resident Evil is doing. But like right before it's like a game that just if this game came out earlier, it probably would have been like super revolutionary in a different way. Or it's mm-hmm. just like, again, it's just sort of like a different format of like video coming out at the same time as like fucking DVDs you know like it it just lost in a weird way like it wasn't a competition necessarily but it's just like this is like it's just an interesting like idea of like we could also do this we could do stuff like this too
1: I feel like a lot of games probably pulled influence from Fantastic though
0: I would agree yeah I think that there's like not like in a strictly gameplay level I'm not saying it, it did or didn't but like there's definitely like everything's iterating on each other this is a very popular game this game sold well. And it does a lot of things that games would go on to do in just like a different way and not necessarily, like I said, like six, seven months later, the first Resident Evil game comes out. And it's also a haunted house game where you're solving puzzles and rotating things with your mind. Yeah. Which I'm assuming was like the template of a lot of point and click adventure games at the time. And this game was iterating on and simplifying. But I just find this whole like this era interesting. And that's why I think this mm-hmm. game is such like a very historical touchstone and why it should be studied and examined in a lot of different ways because of every, the, the real world implications of this game and where it was in history of everything else when we were still because 3D video gaming ultimately became how we handled sophisticated graphics moving forward. We didn't do mm-hmm. FMV stuff. Like we we talked about this earlier. They gave they kind of like threw away FMV. There's stuff I really love that will throw in FMV in mm-hmm. weird places. Like um oh my God, control will use FMV at random spots. Really? Yeah, it creates like a very interesting, like, horror element to it while it's doing all this, like, X Files shit, too. And then, like, obviously, like, the guy I mentioned earlier does her story, continues to do FMV stuff. But since 3D graphics became the dominant and also most cost effective way of doing advanced stuff, this game just, like, basically like creates, builds, like, all this, like, software and invests a lot of energy into trying something, controlling real human beings, and it just doesn't take off like that's not the first game to do that obviously like B for a whole genre of game with um wing commander and stuff like that it's just like this specific instance of it it's such a bonkers game
1: now that that all got me thinking about like it's not the sequel is not really a sequel i think that they just popped again just like halloween 3 they just popped phantasmagoria on the name of a sequel like like, quote unquote sequel just because they thought it would sell better
0: well, okay, let's talk about the Halloween comparison there because the thing with Halloween is that it was intended to be an anthology series with a different story every time. But the oh, original wow. Halloween was so fucking popular, they went to John Carpenter and um, Hill and were like, another one. And they're like, what? No, we just did that one. We're not doing it again. And they're like, John Carpenter, Deborah Hill, do another one. And they're like, okay, we'll write another one. Someone else can fucking direct it. though. I'm not, I'm not doing this shit again. And then they make the, a sequel gun.
1: But, but yeah, the, but the third one, I mean, it had, I'm talking about Halloween three as is, is was supposed to be its own.
0: Yeah, they were supposed to be every Halloween after that was supposed to be its own. Yeah. But they just gave up on it. They're just like, all right, Halloween no. three. Yeah, we'll do another no. one. And then four, five, no. Michael, Michael, no, Michael, you're wrong. Michael, Michael. No, no, no. That I was know the this intention. to be yeah. true. I know
1: that the third that the third one was its own entity and they figured it would sell better if they like could get it somehow into the halloween i don't think it was specifically made for the halloween franchise
0: hold on hold on hold on that hold is on, that is on. what
1: i have always known to be true and that they were like this will this will do well if we if we can get it into halloween and put halloween as the title
0: let's not debate facts we can like look at this stuff uh
1: <laughs> if i'm wrong i'm gonna cry my little eyes out in my little bed so
0: All right, yeah. Halloween 3, The Season of the Witch, was an attempt to redirect the Halloween franchise into an anthology series.
1: Interesting. Okay. Yes.
0: Season of the Witch doesn't follow the continuity of the previous two entries, presenting them as fictional movies within its narrative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Interesting. Interesting.
0: Yeah. Like it was trying to, like, it was basically the idea was like anthology. And then the studio said Michael Myers, good though. And they're like, okay, fine.
1: Yeah.
0: As long as you pay me, fuck it. Okay.
1: Yeah, and then I and then so so I've also read conflicting things about Phantasmagoria Phantasm 2.
0: Yeah, talk to me about that cuz I know nothing.
1: So, I've read and when ends cuz I did my research for my my Phantom article, like I like in some of some of the Wayback Machine articles say that like the it was supposed to be a standalone Sierra game, and then the Wikipedia says that Sierra wanted Phantasmagoria to be an anthology series. I mean, the second game didn't do well critically or commercially like at all. Um, so the, the an anthology ended up not happening. Um, I love the second game. It is slightly better quality in terms of like how it looks, but also the story is just balls to the wall. Fucking weird. Mm-hmm. There are alien. There are aliens. There is generational trauma. We're in a therapist's office, and then we're in a BDSM club. And we're watching the main character getting pegged, <laughs> like. And then we go back to the clicky screen (laughs) and then there's aliens.
2: Guess you guys aren't ready for that yet. But your kids are going to love it.
1: No, it was like in the, and like on, and there's a bunch of different like endings. And like, it honestly doesn't really make a lot of sense, but like, I got a lot more invested into all the characters than I did in the first Phantasmagoria. And I think that's because they are very much a lot more fleshed out.
0: It's a puzzle of flesh.
1: I was I just... Yeah, thank you, honey. Uh... <laughs> I, I really like it and like people go real hardcore for it. like there's like a very like very small very tight knit cult following that like every time I ever tweet about it like I get a DM of someone being like will you do that will you attend this thing no I'm not going to get in a in a in a car and drive to your state to watch whoever from that game do a talk like I don't care <laughs> but it is it has not they have nothing to do with each other they contain none of the same elements. It's the only... The other thing... This one is more of like... Like, I mean, they're both like... It's like a mystery, right? Like, are presented with this one thing and we need to find out, like, why stuff is happening like this. Blah, blah, blah. But... We have... We're following a dude who is, like, bi as hell. We get to see some, like, women... Him with some women and him with some men. Like, progressive as fuck for 1996. Go. But then we're like, enough of there's aliens, kind of. But it depends what ending. It's like so fun there's not a lot of information about the game literally at all available on the internet and i don't know why um Mm -hmm. because i think about it so often too because like basically like this guy named curtis he's 26 he works at like he works for big pharma and he starts like hallucinating shit but we learned that like so, so he's he's a therapist and we learned that like he was released from mental institution Ooh, spooky, spooky. and then like his mom like sucked and then like his dad is like dead or whatever so you're the whole time you're like oh so he's it's just it's just genetic mental illness stuff or is it dun 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 <laughs>
0: uh
1: maybe it's a maybe it's aliens actually
0: that, that's so interesting that it has absolutely nothing to do. And it is also like still super fucking bizarre and weird. I need, I would love any more information about this. I'm curious. I might play it.
1: You sh- honestly, you should. Cause like there's like also like a really gross like FMV scene with like an alien. And I don't like the way it looks. And it bothers me. And it has a gross name. But it has like a go. It's just, it's, it's yucky looking. It's like mutated and stuff. And then you see it, and you're just standing there, and you're like, we were just at a BDSM club, and now we're, like, face-to-face with a really scary alien, and I don't like this. Gotta Um, eat your vegetables if you want your dessert. And everyone wants to fuck Trevor. Everyone wants to fuck Curtis, and he's, like, the least interesting part of the game, kind of. But, like, everyone wants him. The dominatrix wants him. The Girl at work wants him, the guy at work wants him. Like, everyone wants this fucked up, mentally ill, like hallucinating, a- might be an early to an alien dude the whole time.
0: I mean, I want him. I just like it was the way you described it. I want him. <laughs> I could fix he's him. He's cute, yeah.
1: he's really cute. I'm not gonna, you oh, really could, you?
0: Mm, I don't know. I can make him not an alien.
1: You, I don't, I don't know. You can make someone not an alien
0: if we get married. You're not an alien anymore. You're a citizen. You get your green card. We'll get you we'll get you americanized. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> do you want to describe? Do you going to describe for the for the for the listeners like what I'm doing right now with my head? Your head is
0: your 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 head is fully in your hand. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah.
1: There's also like a post-credit scene which is kind of cool was it not i don't feel like how common was it for in the 90s for a video game to have a post-credit scene not common (laughs) yeah so i thought that was cool because that's after because there's two endings so you can choose one or the other they're both equally fucked up and so even after after we get our our fun devastation we still get a weird post-credit and like which implies that we were going to get another game and we didn't interesting so
0: because um I can't speak to that, and I think that's all very interesting, especially post-credit scenes in 1996, uh, the year I was born, because the ending of Phantasmagoria is like as much as I think the last chapter is like where like the actual thing where you get to see all the gruesome deaths and like actually have Mm -hmm. a fail state. This is the only play is the only section of the game where Adrian can die because you're being chased around the house.
1: Yeah, there's like hard there's hardly any game over scenes at all throughout the game.
0: Yeah, no. Every you can only game over in the final chapter when you initiate mm-hmm. the the conflict with uh, Don, and this is what I'm talking about. Like the, the this being like the best and also like the weirdest part of the game because basically you throw the the drain cleaner on him, be, burn mm-hmm. his face. You cooperated with me very well. <laughs> Pocket
3: sand. Oh. Yeah.
0: Run around the house, and he's chasing. You like I'm going to get you! I'm going to get you the whole way. Like you take, you can take all sorts of different paths and go into different spaces. And it's so interesting because, like, I guess it's not a test. It's just like, a, how do I avoid this guy? What do I do to avoid this guy? It's nothing. It's not even a test because we, no matter where you go, eventually he's going to catch up to you and take you to the electric chair, right? The double murder chair where you like you,
1: the throne. Excuse you, the throne.
0: Sorry. The axe chair. <laughs> the beheader anyway he takes you back there and the whole point was that you were supposed to grab the book you're supposed to grab the book on the yes. desk next to him and then Yay. you do that because you will you cannot beat the game without getting the book on the desk but you don't know that until like basically the second to last thing you can do if you manage to defeat don You You have to kill Don. You don't really get to reckon with that because immediately the demon comes out of the ground and chases you. You have to run away from the demon. You get down into the I don't know the sacrificial room, whatever you want to call it, and do the ritual. Do the ritual, but you need the book to do the ritual. And then you're like, oh fuck! So you have to fail again, initiate the whole conflict with Don, and then. Grab the book, and if you grab the book, he'll just be like, ah, "I, grab you, we issue so like all that running away is useless, but the fact that you can do it is really fucking fascinating because they they went through the effort of programming all of that
1: yeah, no you're no, you're right, I completely forgot about the book and that you kind of have to you're so smart
0: <laughs> I, I mean I've just beat I literally beat the game today. I literally did all this today, so it's fresh in my <laughs> mind
1: that's so fucking, I completely forgot about that shit. Yeah, I died like 85 fucking times.
0: Yeah, I died a bunch too cuz it's like only get part of the game where you can die. And I was like, what do I do? Hold yeah. on. Okay. Okay. And then we did it. And then the other thing is like the game just like abruptly ends when you've finished a ritual. Like the ending of the game is her like stoically walking out of the building I no... love
1: I love that last scene though. And she's okay. like she's like what do you call it? Like she's fucking what is the what's the term? Catatonic? Yeah, she's like catatonic She's like just like just like, like I love that. I fucking and I like the, the weird music that plays and the way like yeah I love I for some reason I love that
0: it's just like I guess it's a pacing thing for me
1: I yeah it is a weirdly paced game we're like front-loaded with a lot of nothing not really nothing but you know what I mean like a lot of just like exposition and then final chapter we're like all right time to run for your life yeah kind of nothing throughout the entire game and now you're gonna run around and die a bunch of times mm-hmm but what would the game be like if we had other options to run around and die though in earlier chapters?
0: It's just so interesting because again it's like another thing was like this is great but also like it's also bad in the sense where it's like you did all of this sophisticated programming to like account for all of these chase sequences or whatever like being able to hide in the baby room and stab him with the glass and then run away and do, go hide somewhere else. I find that so fun. It's just like since the whole thing was like you're just supposed to grab the book it's useless but it's also yeah. again i like the way that this game kind of wasted my time like the fact that you can sit in every chair and lay in every bed and use the fucked up toilet like you can say like oh they just didn't prioritize the right thing and that's true but it's also kind of why i, I kind of like that they didn't prioritize the right things very f- fun unique weird game this is definitely the far and away the weirdest game i've ever discussed in the show and i am so like entranced by its success and its background and i'm really grateful that you showed me this game is there anything else you want to mention about um Phantasmagoria before we move on
1: play it at your own risk
0: <laughs> and don't
1: play it high because i may i made that mistake
0: yeah what impact would you say that this game made on you besides you scaring you when you're high
1: it's just an, it's one of those fucking games where like i i have like a pension for like shit that's fucked And it's just, like, it just lives in my brain because of its really, really, like, it's all the, all the, God, all the wife murders are really, really fucked up. But also just, like, I don't know. Like, I feel like, like, you pointed out that I referenced, like, a a literal, like, like indie video game, like, in my book. Like, it's just one of those things where it's so weird that it's just going to stay in my brain for the rest of my life. It's unapologetically fucking weird, and it was made by a woman who was like, "I'm gonna fucking make the shit that I want to make." Fuck you, but thank you for giving me all your money, and I love that for her.
0: A sleigh, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you for showing me this game. I this is a ver- this is an example of one of the games that I probably would not have played myself had I not been assigned it for the show. So thank you for showing me something that means a lot to you, and for. Broadening my horizons a little bit. Seriously, thank you, Lord.
1: You're so welcome. But I can't take it anymore. Gotta
2: take a step on my life tonight. Gotta think love over the sky. Gotta take a step on my
3: life tonight before I lose my
0: life. All right. At the end of every episode, after we get through our central discussion, I like to make a space for the guests and I to sort of make recommendations based off of the thing that we covered today. Do you have anything you would recommend, whether it is a show, movie, video game, book, whatever, for people who like Phantasmagoria?
1: Um, There is a Stephen King miniseries called Rose Red. And I think I'm pretty sure Rose Red came out after this game. I'm not sure if the book was written before the game, but it is also very much like haunted house premise wife running around and shit and um, I think it is one of his like criminally like underrated like adaptations like I think it's a really good series. The series also has like a tie in book that another author wrote. And I think the book is good too. It's like a, just like a diary from like respective one of the characters. And that was marketed as being like a real book. So Rose Red is cool as fuck. Well. If you want to upset yourself this holiday season, um, <laughs> watch, <laughs> watch the mist and not the series, but like the movie and get really mad at me later. because um, if I have to think about it and get upset, then so does everyone else.
0: It's fucked up, but good suggestion. Good suggestion.
1: What else? I mean, I guess, I guess, I would, I guess, I would add the haunting of Hill House too, because we're going off of big, scary houses that have bad things in them, and then people are doing bad shit because of the bad thing in the house. I do love, a ha- but if you love a haunted house, you why not a haunted house in space and fucking watch Event Horizon because that's literally what Event Horizon is. It is a possessed spaceship. And that makes people do bad things. And it's really, really good. That's my theme. That's my, I think every October, I pick like a theme of spookiness, a specific theme. And this theme was haunted houses this year, probably just because I just moved. But I find haunted house, any themed anything to be just like fucking terrifying. Um, mm-hmm. Because your house is supposed to be like your safe place. And that's kind of where the whole concept of like the haunted house thing comes from. Yeah. You know?
0: Great recommendations. Thank you for those recommendations. Yeah. I'm gonna lead with a TikTok page of all things. And oh, there is it is, back
1: is it the back the back, one? The back Let
0: point? me tell you what it is and then you will hear what it is.
1: <laughs> is it Molly? Is it Molly?
0: It's Molly Moon 2. Okay, yes. A Molly yes! Moon 2 is a TikTok personality. And I know how that sounds mm-hmm. who actually makes some of the most weird, horrifying content you can ever watch on that app because it is all like styled in that 90s FMV point and click kind of style it's hard to describe just look up molly moon with two ends, and then number two on google or tiktok what have you and then watch and you'll understand what i mean and you'll understand like oh that's why this connects to phantasmagoria perfect you'll, you'll you'll literally get in like two seconds
1: it, it's insanely good yeah
0: yeah had i been more responsible in terms of like spacing out my free time uh i don't have a lot of free time lately I could have like probably played more FMV games to recommend or talked about more Mike Flanagan things because, as stated earlier, the central influences of Phantasmagoria were Stephen King and Edgar Allan Poe. And if I was a guy who kept up with things, I would have the easiest recommendation in the world, which is the newest Mike Flanagan show, The Fall of the House of Usher, an eight-episode miniseries based on Edgar Allan Poe's short story of the same name as well as some of other short stories from what I'm hearing. I remember reading The Fall of the House of Usher Years and years ago, and I get some of the parallels to that here. Like they both mention dragons; that's a thing. They both this game and the Fall of the House of Usher reference dragons. That's 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 a connection. I'm in the weird position, like I said earlier, of enjoying Mike Flanagan's movies but not having seen any of his TV. So I've been bad at keeping up with TV shows what? over the past few years. In the Spiritfarer episode, I recommended his adaptation of Doctor Sleep. Love that movie. And in this episode, I'm recommending his other Stephen King adaptation gerald's game it's a story of a woman whose husband takes her on a romantic getaway to an isolated lake house just like there's an isolated home where two lovers go in this game but they go to rekindle their marriage and the husband wanting to try something kinky handcuffs both of her hands to the bedpost she plays along at first realizes i don't actually want to do this he gets mad he gets so upset with her and makes it into an argument by just being shitty And then he has a heart attack and dies on her. And she's stuck because she never got unhandcuffed. And now she needs to get out. Uh, It's Carla Gugino and Bruce Greenwood. And um, an actor I love from Twin Peaks is also in there. Watch the movie. It's an hour 40. It's on Netflix. It's creepy. It's scary. It's disgusting. And it's only an hour and 40 minutes long.
1: It's why I took my headboard off of my bed. Scary. Scary. I spent spent money on that. Now it's in the hallway.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Movies <laughs> re, movies really mess with you, huh? Like media, like you you really take it to heart.
1: Yes, I really really do. I think about. I feel like I think more about like when I think back to my childhood. I think my childhood is like in movie scenes than I than I do like actually like playing outside or something.
0: Okay, yeah, I can understand. There's yeah. like definitely like it took me forever to watch *Child's Play* because I remember like running into one of the movies on TV and getting scared by it. And I was like, I'm just never going to watch those in my mm-hmm. life. And I watched them and it's like, oh, it's just him trying to stab Chris Sarandon in the butt through a car seat. This is funny.
1: <laughs> that whole franchise did not become like like the queer iconic thing that it is just for you to say, oh, yeah, the whole thing is to stab Chris Randon in the butt. I hate you so much.
0: I think everyone would agree it's funny that he tries to stab Chris Sarandon in the butt. I'm not being reductive. It's the fucking Chucky franchise. We all love Brad Dourif. It's fine. I think he would say like, yeah, that's very funny that you found the funny thing funny. Thank you, Brad Dourif, in my head.
1: Um. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Yes, movies do affect me. Oh, the that's a video game, so.
0: Yeah, I'm glad. I mean, like, not glad. I'm not saying like, I'm glad that you, you're scared. Um. I think it's... I'm
1: glad you have trauma wars.
0: I'm sorry. I think you're a sweet person. Uh, and if I had to give one more recommendation, Cries and Whispers by Ingmar Bergman, uh, two episodes in a row, I'm recommending an Ingmar Bergman film. Uh, it's just a fucked up vibes movie. It is a house uh, that is just completely painted in red, uh, the red bedroom where you see Carno's um, face for the first time, like the big portrait of him in the big red room. I was like, oh, this is Cries and Whispers vibes. and. It's just a great, upsetting, devastating movie about a family whose relationship with each other is deteriorating as one of them is dying. What
1: year is the? Oh, 1972. 1972.
0: Thank you. Cries and Whispers. Really, really good film. I think more people should watch it. I think it's on HBO Max, whatever you call it.
1: It's just called, it's just called Max
0: now. It's HBO Max. I'm calling it HBO. <laughs> And if you yeah. like things that like probably that deeply influenced David Lynch, absolutely watch that. And those are my recommendations. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And thank you, Lauren, for being on this episode before you go, though, I want you to please promote the hell out of yourself.
1: Oh, um, you can find me on pretty much everything, uh, as motel siren. Um, buy my book. <laughs> you can buy Seth, I see Catholic. You can order from Resident Noble. you can order it from Amazon. Um, I recommend uh, buying it directly from Clash Books. Uh, support indie publishing, yeah.
0: Yep, uh, I own the book. I'm holding it right here in the webcam that is not being recorded, so nobody's ever gonna see the video <laughs> feed here. But I really enjoyed your book, Lauren. It was very moving, oh, very you. affecting. Um, support authors, support your friends, if people publish books, buy their books, because it is incredible that anybody can publish a book. It's incredible that people publish books. It is, it's is—it's something. Um, I'm also going to include the link to your website in a description of this episode. Meltel oh, Siren, yeah, <laughs> Sad Sexy Catholic, your website. It was really mm-hmm. awesome having you on La- the show.
1: LaurenMalisi.com? Is my website Lauren? Yeah, it's LaurenMalisi.com. Yeah. And I forgot. No, because I used to have it redirected from Motel Siren, I don't know if it does that anymore. So
0: It's Laurenmelisi.com. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, open, I'm looking at it right now. You're wonderful. Thank you again so much for being on this show. It was really great talking to you about this game. Thank you for showing it to me. And thank you so much for listening to this episode of Select and Start. Once again, I am your host, editor, and promoter, Kiefer. If you enjoyed this episode, please give the show a positive review wherever you're listening to this. Engagement helps the show. Your feedback will improve it. If you want to get more engaged, give the show a follow on Twitter at SelectPodStart. And if you have thoughts about Phantasmagoria or any other games on the show we've discussed, send a DM or leave a comment and I will gladly read it on the show. You can also support me on Patreon. If you pledge at least $1 a month, you will get early access to new episodes as well as extended episodes with exclusive content. That's patreon.com slash corner. You can find a link to that and the rest of my projects in the description of this episode. Select and Start is on the Moonshot Network, which is supported by its own Patreon. Find out more on moonshotpods.com. The art for the show is made by my best friend, Avery Ott. You can follow him on social media with the handle at AveryRobinOtt. That's A-V-R-Y, Robin, O-T-T. The show's theme song was composed by Mike Petrie. You can check out the links in the description for both of their works, as well as Lauren's. All right, I think that's it. A woman's body is a beautiful thing, but the head is useless. Phantasmagoria, beware Zoltan Carnot, killing wives, killing wives, oh, the critics were offended.
2: I'm sorry.